I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds and otaku across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways you can join in at nerdyshow.com slash support. This program may contain strong language. Listener discretion is advised. everybody welcome to the wicked cinema podcast i am your stupid awesome analyst john star and with me is the hard man with harder opinions andrew afln hello yeah forgot to say the nickname there suddenly and i don't want people uh, knowing who i am yeah (laughs) (laughs) our king baby duck evan hello there and the cinema balcony is open today elite four derek Muted his microphone. Uh, <laughs> Fine, we don't. Ah, 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 ah. I was getting popcorn. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Security guy, Greg. Ola. And for Sarah. Hi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you so much for for having me back, and it's it's good to see y'all. Of course, as yes. always. You're seeing half of us right now, technically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I would say it's good to see you, but I I cannot. Well, you know. It, but you can't see me as as well. So I have I have a uh, you know quarantine hair just like everybody else. So <laughs> yeah, I I I have scrubbed that out very well. So the last I, uh, after three months of not cutting my hair or my beard, I am. Now, once again, bald and cl- and not clean shaven, but neat. My beard is now neat and my head is cold, but I'm glad <laughs> to hear that you still have quarantine hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a universality. My, when my barbershop opened, I rushed and got an appointment immediately, went there, got my hair cut. It's been two weeks. I'm good. Looks like I'll be fine. <laughs> I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you'll survive. Yeah, I'll survive. <laughs> So, um, most of you have probably caught either the title of this episode or uh, what I just said at the beginning there, but I've uh, changed it up a little bit. We've changed it up a little bit. We decided that today we were actually going to run the Wicked Cinema podcast in, uh, in a, an effort to keep things a little bit fresh during our quarantine recordings. Well, and if there's, if there's one thing about us here at Wicked Anime, if, if, there's, if it's one thing that we know better than anime... It's Western cartoons, and if there's one thing we both know better than Western cartoons, it's cinema. Yep, and and Hollywood, and uh, and so we've we've actually been discussing doing like a Wicked Entertainment sort of thing, that, like doing all kinds of animation, anime, uh, movies, music, all this yeah, kind I, of stuff that we've been and Wicked Cinema is just one of the things that we've always wanted to. I think there was a time where we talked about changing the name of our show to Wicked Entertaining, and something like that. 
Yeah, yeah, and it was, and and it, it never like it, we figured that we we would lose maybe lose too many people or something if we did that, or we just never ran with the idea, or like how would we schedule it, all that kind of stuff. But everybody right. likes movies, everybody, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Thinking this is like an alternate timeline episode, like yeah. what if Wicked Anime was Wicked Cinema, and then maybe in future episodes we're gonna do other alterations. Of I do Wicked. I do want to say that if if Wicked if Wicked Cinema was the first iteration of what we wanted to do, none of you would be here. <laughs> yeah. Just, I do want to say that, so. Well, well, unless unless you still went to the movies, in which case I still would have met you guys because the first time we met was at a movie. That's right. That's that correct. Is, that is 100% correct. But the, it just also, want to put that out there. <laughs> but also, though, the only reason why we met Evan was because we of our first year as press at, at Anime Boston. Yes. That's so. fair. That's fair. Yeah. And then um, I was the one who told them about the movie and then so on and so forth. Yeah. And then, God, that was and then we just like <laughs> spiraled out of control into yeah. this haze uh, of wicked anime. Into 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 semi recognizable Well, way way back when when wicked when wicked anime first started, every single Friday we would go to the movies with Dylan. Yeah. Uh like it would, it would be me, Jonathan, Dylan, and then if anybody else came along with us, it was at least the three of us. We would all go to the the cinema, and I think that if if we were Wicked Cinema, Dylan would probably still be on the show because Dylan loves cinema. Yeah, so. and I like we and we've seen some. We saw some great movies, and we saw some terrible movies with with Dylan when we were doing that. And I actually really missed that. So I'm, I'm actually one for terrible movies. Like if I see a movie and I walk out of the theater saying that was the worst movie that I've ever seen. Sometimes that is better than going to a movie that I say, I loved that movie. <laughs> oh yeah. I've seen Some, so many bad movies on Netflix. As yeah. Like, it's like sometimes the best movies to talk about are the ones that aren't winning Oscars. It's the ones that are like, Oh, this was so bad, but man, was it still enjoyable? Yeah. Uh, cool. And, and I think that that uh, attests to, to us being able to do this is because consuming both good and bad media and like not, in, not staying away from the things that people say, don't see this. Like I still haven't seen the last airbender movie be only because I just haven't gotten around to it. I want to watch that movie. I, so I don't bad. know. I really have some adversity to see <laughs> the, the last the, that was the only time where uh while i was watching a movie at the theater my phone rang i answered the phone and just started talking <laughs> it was like i don't give a shit about this man <laughs> someone was complaining that i answered my phone and my friend next to me goes yo shut the fuck up this movie sucks anyway <laughs> i mean it really is just like a uh, just uh, especially if you're a fan of the original, the original series, and you watch it all, and then you watch that movie. It's just so awful. It's just just spitting on it's, its memory. It's not even like they're doing martial arts or kung fu. The way I described it, and it was like the first couple seconds into it, it's just really bad Michael Jackson moves with CGI added to it. Yeah. Oh, well, Sarah, Sarah doesn't know this yet, but uh, after 13 years or so, I have finally finished Avatar: The Last Airbender. So, what, what did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I and and I knew I was gonna love it. I just never, ever, ever got around to it. You know, because I, I, I've, I've seen the first six episodes of the Last Airbender over and over and over and over and over again, and <laughs> but never and, further than that. And that's yeah, no, never. For, so as soon as I hit as my almost thirty-year-old self, I almost or I, I hit 
episode six. And I was like, man, I wonder what episode seven's going to be. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> after 13 years. And, well, and, and, it, was, it, was, and I, I, I killed it off in like a week. I watched the whole thing straight through while I was working. Club, it was, I was 30 when I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, make, I'm making I'm making my boyfriend watch it right now. So like I'm wow. going yeah. through a rewatch as we speak, and it's this he he would just watch like the episode where they go to the uh, island in the Fire Nation, and like Avatar Roku takes over uh, Aang's body like temporarily, and he was like, "That's badass." <laughs> <laughs> you well, know what would be nice if they made a book four, but make it like the prequel, like called you know book so, one or the prequel book Air. Because they book have zero? water, yeah, they have earth, water, and fire, but they don't have a book for air, and it could just be a hundred years, you know, before he got frozen and everything. Hmm. That would be nice, nice. like hour long special or something like that. Yeah, or? that sounds more like a movie idea. Yeah, you know, it sounds like, more like a movie. Um, what led to the freezing of the last Airbender. But they, <laughs> but they also did, but they also <laughs> did put that whole story into the series itself. So yeah. Um, so I actually had just sparked because we're talking about uh, or this started with the last airbender, particularly I am kind of interested in finding out what you think the worst movie you've ever seen in theaters was. I'll ask that question first. Oh, what was the worst movie that you've ever, Greg has his hand raised. Yeah. Oh, I, I, it was called, uh, I think either 1317 or 1517 to Paris. It was the one where it was like these three soldiers from either world war one or world war two have to go and do like the secret mission or something like that. And the three gentlemen who played the main actors were the actual army guys themselves who did this mission. And that's awesome but they're not actors and it was just, oh i remember was, seeing that movie uh, i literally yeah. i wa- it was the only movie i ever walked out and i just couldn't take it, it was i accepted the whole thing like i thought it was okay but very predictable but still not the worst movie i've ever seen in a oh, movie theater mm-hmm. i don't know Man, this is that was bad i've seen so many movies and jonathan you, me and you will probably have the same answer because we've seen every movie together yeah maybe do you, I, do you have an answer i mean i the first one that popped into my head was actually one that we saw with dylan which was tinker taylor soldier spy oh <laughs> we we like the the end of the movie ended up with everybody just like looking around the room yeah. and and like say like did you get it i don't know it's like <laughs> yeah like literally there so there was probably like 10 people in the cinema watching that and dylan wanted to go see it because he read the book but he didn't want to go see it because he read the book he wanted to go see it to see if the movie made more sense than the book <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and then so after the movie was over every single person in the theater was we were just all friends all of a sudden because we've all went through the same experience and we all understood each other's feelings of i don't know what happened for the last two hours people sat in a room they talked mark strong shoots a guy in the head and then it ends and then it's just like but nobody knows why like <laughs> it was it was the most confusing movie i've ever seen in my entire life um, I don't know if that's the worst movie I've ever seen in theaters, though. Ooh. I'm pretty sure oh. there've been worse. Oh, oh no, I know what the worst movie I've seen right. in theaters was. Let, let me see because we both said "oh" at the same time, so I wonder if our twin intuition kicked it, in. It, it had to have been. It was. It was um, the Wizard of Oz sequel with with James Franco. Oh, the prequel. Oh, Oz yeah. the Green Powerful. Yeah, Oz the, I, is that what it was called? I, I don't yeah. even remember what the movie was called because it was so terrible. That was a bad movie. Like, as soon as that movie was over, I was just like, I don't 
I have care to about any of up. that. Like that movie was the worst movie I've ever seen, and it had no bearing of its of its existence mm. on my life, like at all. It was just terribly actually, written, terribly acted. That's a good. That's a good one. But uh, and I agree with you. But I I actually do have another a different answer. Okay. It was the sequel. We actually went to go see this in theaters. It was the sequel to Silent Hill. <laughs> oh, that's right. The fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, it was a fan fiction story. Uh, the fan uh, fiction on, on on screen. In the same way that you could read uh, the, the sequel to Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, as a fan fiction, you could do the same thing for this movie. <laughs> and it's well-deserved. So yeah. <laughs> silent, yeah. And it was funny because one of our friends like was there with us watching the movie. And after we left the theater, he was just like, man, I'm going to have to have an argument with them about how bad that movie was. I walk out and I go, that movie was terrible. And he's like, thank God. <laughs> I think the the worst movie I've ever seen, the, the first movie that was really bad that I remember seeing in theaters was Space Chimps. <laughs> oh wow okay. i swear to god i was like i and i i, I wasn't i was because i'm i'm a young and I'm, I'm the youngest person here um and so i was technically not of legal age then i was still still you know i think i was like maybe like preteen or something like that and like it was the first movie consciously going to the movies as a kid where i was like this is a bad movie like <laughs> yeah. i don't enjoy it my little cousins are sitting here next to me and they're laughing and i'm like it's not funny. It's just, it's boring. Yeah. I'm bored. And then the most recent movie I saw that was really bad was The Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, uh, okay. I yeah. didn't see that one. I saw but... that in theaters with my best friend, Jennifer, and if I hadn't been there with her, I would have just walked out. I heard it, I heard it was pretty bad. Yeah. I would have just, there was, just, it was just walked like, out. Filled with plot holes, filled with like non-canonical, like what is going on. See, and, and that's a movie I would love. Yeah. It's it's it it, it is a, a clusterfuck. But I also also tech actually, you know what? It was even worse. Jennifer and I went to go see cats. Oh. <laughs> theaters. Oh, 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 oh. In theaters. And we were the only people in the theater. Oh, that's a good Was it a butthole cut? Oh uh, <laughs> yes. It was a butthole cut? It was? You really got to see the butthole cut? Yeah. Oh holy cow. It was, it, everything I was, that was a thing. it was I, mean, I had I, I, we, I mean, like again we were the only people in the theater so like we're just like standing up and just kind of hanging out and just being like whatever like no one cares oh, man. And I, oh gosh I guess see, it makes sense a bunch of shit was spewing out well see that's um <laughs> that was like one of the best parts about going to see uh Suicide Squad because when we went to go see the sui- when we went to go see Suicide Squad we weren't the only ones in the theater but we were in a oh. theater with people who by the end of the movie were like, I don't give a shit about this anymore. And so we everybody just was like, everybody was laughter. like talking during it and saying jokes. And like, that's the best time to go see a movie is like when the, when the movie's terrible and everybody understands the movie's terrible and you just berate it on the screen. So like going to see cats alone, that is what I would do is just talk about the, the whole movie it was while we're watching it, just laughing, having the best time ever. It, and that's what it was. And it, especially because Jennifer is, you know, like my best friend. I mean, yep. you guys met her. Like, yep. you know, it was, we're both just like cackling to each other. Like, oh my <laughs> God, is this really happening? And then like the scene at the end with Judy Dench does not end. It's like, it's like she's like, staring at the screen and like singing to you for like a solid like five minutes and it's way longer than it needs to be it's so yeah. you're you're looking at all the cats in the background and they just all look so confused <laughs> it's 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 quite brilliant wow 
I think I'm going to jump on uh, Sarah's cat theme and say that probably the worst film that I've ever seen on the big screen was Halle Berry's Catwoman. Oh, oh wow. Oh, that is that's a, good, a throwback. That's a prime example, yeah. Yeah, that's a very bad, like, like for me, like, Catwoman was actually, like, the fir- my first, like, waifu character, but more specifically, like, the Michelle Pfeiffer version from Batman Returns. So I was wicked excited about having a Catwoman movie. Because yeah. I think, you know, Halle Berry is a hot woman, very sexy, one of the sexiest Heck women yeah. ever. But it's awesome. Yeah. But then you watch the movie and it's just like, uh, <laughs> everything about this is wrong. The, wasn't the actual plot that it was an evil pharmaceutical? No, not pharmaceutical. No, evil uh, makeup. E- evil makeup company. Makeup company. Evil I'm makeup like, company. Yeah. I mean, you have this kick-ass femme fatale and you want to make her a badass and like, what's the worst kind of company for women? How about a bad makeup company? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. yeah Catwoman is literally the best cat burglar story that you can write. Like, she's... It is! Like, and Catwoman she's versus like, oh, Red Dye number five. <laughs> <laughs> Catwoman is female loop on the third, okay? That's how good she is. But like whoever did this film, I forget, was it McGee who directed this? The guy who did all the Charlie's Angel films or who was it that? That sounds like it would be right. And just, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Who gives a shit? The movie was awful. It was bad. Like I, I have, okay. So I have never walked out on a film, even with the last airbender answering my phone. I have never walked out on a film before. (laughs) Catwoman is the closest I've ever gotten to actually walking out of a movie. Yeah. Because it's like, you could tell that they were trying really, really hard with the material that they were given. Because I did like the, like performance-wise, Halle Berry was really good and Sharon Stone was really good. But like, they were given like, shit to work with. So even when they were acting all right, they were still doing shit things. Yep. You shine up crap, you get shiny crap. Exactly. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Derek, you're the last one. Yeah, I'm torn between two. I'm going either A, Shallow Hal, or B. Ooh, I love that movie. I love Shallow, Shallow Hal. Hal. Yeah. yeah, let's just make Gwyneth Paltrow uh, fat to make <laughs> everyone else feel better about themselves and make themselves look at inner beauty. Oh, that works. <laughs> it is like so fake and plastic, but B is also Kazam. Like even as a kid, <laughs> I would watch that movie and not understand it like being as open-minded as possible like oh he's going like to fight a record company slash mafia thing and he needs to do a rap battle while this kid like even as a kid i couldn't comprehend that and i look back at it now and this hey just sinbad, was, sinbad was an sense. underrated actor no this is Sha- Shaq in this right? i know it is but that's no, the movie that, that's Diesel. under the <laughs> That's under the Mandela effect. Remember, everybody in the world think, re- like remembers oh, that movie. Oh, Shazam! Yeah, Shazam! Oh, it's Sinbad. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, but oh my god! Like looking back at it too, it's just none of it makes sense. There's like they try for some sort of plot line, and it's just all right. Well, Shaq needs to rap at some point. That's in his contract. <laughs> <laughs> I will I, I will say that there was one movie, and this is going back to when I was a kid too, that I did fall asleep while watching, and that was a movie called Iron Will. It was a Disney film about the Iditarod and Will Stoneham wanting to run it. And like hmm. like I said, I fell asleep while watching it. Yeah, well, you can't compete with Balto, so I don't blame you. <laughs> Balto's true. Awesome. Balto is the bomb. <laughs> I, I actually distinctly remember too. Uh, now this is this is going way back to and uh, 1999 
Andrew and I were still either eight or nine years old when the Phantom Menace uh, came out, Star Wars Episode One, and uh, and I distinctly remember wanting to love it, but Andrew outwardly hating it so much as an eight-year-old. Like even even as a young, I'm not even ten years old yet watching this movie. I knew that that was a bad, boring film because it was boring. And like, like what in the world, Star Wars, you got to, oh, trade deals. Like what? <laughs> That's what this movie's about? It's trade about deals. economy and trade? Yeah, but there's a cartoon <laughs> rabbit in it. So yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> I liked it because it let me get a Darth Maul action figure. <laughs> they introduced the staff saber. Yes. Exactly. exactly. See, Darth Maul, Darth Maul is, is cool in the way that like Boba Fett is cool. It's like, why is Boba Fett cool? I don't know. He's just cool. I like to try to revive the Cartoon Network series, the Clone Wars. A Star Wars stock market movie. That's what all the kids want. (laughs) Yeah, see, I, yeah, even even as a young kid after that movie was over, I was just like, I do not understand how that movie could be so bad when I love Star Wars so much. So, like, the worst part on it about it is George Lucas himself. I saw, like, a documentary or two of them making The Phantom Menace and. He was mentioning how he specifically wanted to appeal to the new era or the new generation of kids. So he tried to make it tailored for kids and you guys being kids at the time, yep. you still hating it. That's terrible. So yeah. that's what Jar Jar is. Yeah. yeah. That's he threw Jar Jar in because he wanted some yeah, that, sort of that like kid-ish. cartoon kid. He, yeah. he wanted the Jar Jar, the audience. Uh, um, so as a follow-up question to He's to so that, young and hip. <laughs> as a follow-up question to to that, I figured we might as well ask the question to what's just overall the worst movie you've ever seen. Like still to this day, hate that film. Oh my oh. god. Oh, I know I have, the answer to this question so well. Because, so because mine that still sticks out in my head today, uh, to this day, is um The Departed. I hate that film. Yeah. with a passion it's a terrible film and i will fight you to the death that it is just awful movie making like <laughs> anti boston over here and nail i hate 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 the departed yeah. <laughs> wow i i don't know if we could be friends anymore I'm i mean just, then just again about- my my only um my only uh thing that i ever liked about the movie ted as well like my only good thing that i said about that movie was it was nice to see boston because i had been living in uh florida for five years at that point so i was like it was nice to see boston that was the only good thing i could say about ted as a boston film as well but yeah the departed (laughs) wow worst movie ever Hmm. oh what's the one we were talking about Uh, the room I saw the room like a few weeks no, ago. No, dude, that movie is pure genius. No, yeah. that's because it's like so bad that we all laugh at it. Yeah, like, and on. so that doesn't make it the worst movie ever. Yep. Like, because it actually has entertainment value to it. Oh, like, fine, like fine. T- which oh, which is actually going to come up in our discussion later. Believe it or not, that's why for, for our wicked cinema tapagachi. <laughs> okay, so. So this happened, so my dad, when, when you can rent, well, you can still rent movies through Netflix, like physical copies of it. Yeah, my dad once rented a movie called Seal Team 6. And this was a film from 2000, 2008, I, I, want, to, I want to say. And, and this is a movie that was trying to be about like what happened in the Gulf War and everything. They kept using the same footage from CNN to demonstrate the, the fight sequences and such. 
the acting in this movie was terrible and it has an ending that goes on for like 25 minutes for no reason whatsoever it was it looked like the guy filmed this movie in his backyard and tried to make it look like iraq and they kept throwing in all these stupid like flashback things that have nothing to do with this movie whatsoever. And I remember sitting there with my dad watching this film, my jaw dropping to the ground because of just how awful of a movie, not even entertainingly awful, just like this, this should never have been seen by the light of day kind of awful. And I remember just shutting off the movie afterwards, just walking away, going up into my room and just staring at my wall for about 30 minutes because it was a better (laughs) entertainment value than what I had just sat through for about 100 minutes. How was the wall? Was it a good movie or? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pink Floyd the Wall is an awesome film. Pink Floyd the Wall is a great movie. (laughs) Oh yeah. I meant your wall. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh I'd rather look at paint drying than sit through that film ever again. <laughs> so uh, for me, I think that the this is it's a long time long time vendetta of mine. I've always hated this movie. Nice. My grandma showed it to me. <laughs> Give me a Sarah. I got you a nice little movie that you should watch with me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is an animated film. So like it's friendly for children. Like children will like this oh my film. Gosh, what is it? Tell us. Watership Down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will never. Yes. I will never forgive my grandma for showing me that movie. Although I do love her, but I will never forgive her because that movie scarred me. Like all you have Look to do is just bodies. go on. To, oh my god, the bunnies are killing each other. Well, they're killing each other, but then there's like this one scene where it's like a bunch of like bunny heads that are like in this like weird like sack. I don't know. Like they use some really really severe like imagery in this movie it is not it is not pleasant especially for children it is very visceral yes that is a good good word so yeah that's that's my answer that's pretty easy i will say though i love answer i will say i loved when robot chicken parodied it with fraggle rock down (laughs) it was probably one of the best parodies they'd ever done but yeah watership down it's a good film but if you watch it as a kid it's a fucked up movie. That's like, it, in, a, in a way, it's almost like saying, hey, I found this animated film for you. And it's like uh, heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a great Basically. movie. Heavy metal. Metalocalypse. <laughs> Metalocalypse. Now, so this, this question is kind of deep for me because I've seen so many Netflix horror movies. <laughs> um, and a lot of Netflix horror movies are... They're not the worst film I've ever seen, but after you watch it, you just feel so disappointed in yourself and in the and also the filmmakers because you're just like, wow. They, I'm glad you're going this way because mine will go the same direction. Yeah, go like, on. <laughs> like they don't understand how to make films. Like there's an actual way and an actual product to making a good film and they just don't understand it. So I'm not going to talk about the worst movie I've ever seen because I think I was pretty close with Oz the Great and Powerful because of how poorly of a movie that was. And that was like made by a major studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched this movie called, oh, 
crap. I don't even remember what it's called anymore. Uh, but it was a movie based off of my favorite creepypasta ever. My favorite creepypasta ever, for those who know, uh, want to know, it is... Sl- Slenderman? Sl- no, no. Oh. It's, it's the Goatman. Um, oh, the, yeah. The Goatman is, is probably one of the creepiest and most unnerving the creepypastas Wendigo. that I've ever read, and it's really good. Is, isn't that the Wendigo? No, no, the goat man is not a Wendigo. Oh, okay. Um, the, All I'm thinking of is Jim Brewer's goat boy character from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so I highly so so for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, I highly recommend you look look up the creepypasta for the goat man. It's really good. Somebody, it's it's one of those ones that was uh, written in a forum post. Like they they told the story in a forum post, and then they compiled the forum post and put it all together, and it's just phenomenal. Uh, however, on Netflix, I watched a movie. That was based off of the Goatman creepypasta. And they had no idea why the Goatman creepypasta was as good as it was. Because they tried to, like, introduce, like, stakes. Like, like you know, oh, if we don't do this, we're all gonna die. Oh, the Goatman needs to do this to survive. So it's trying to sacrifice us. And it wasn't even the Goatman. Like... Like so, their their horrible, horrible, horrible mistake was at the end of the film. You actually get to see what the monster creature looks like, which is not what the Goatman story was about. You never see the Goatman; you only see him copying somebody else. Uh, and so, this whole movie had some really good ideas going for it, as the Goatman was like copying people. And then at the end of the movie, you see like this really badly animated turbo squid websites where you get to buy 3d assets it's like they bought somebody's three monster 3d asset off of a website and you're just like yeah just throw that in the movie and then (laughs) and it was just really 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 bad and like they had you could clearly tell that these people who made this film had no idea what made the goat man so good so it was kind of like insulting to me but that always happens whenever anybody tries to make a creepypasta into a movie because it's just like well how do we make this thing that's really good in written word a good horror movie and it's like well you don't the answer is you don't don't do that stop it cut it out uh so i would have to say the worst movie i've seen is almost like a cookie cutter of the worst of the cliches of any horror movie that somehow gets passed i'm not sure if this actually came out in theaters or if this is streaming only but the name of it is tamara not sure if anyone's heard of this one sounds vaguely familiar currently available for streaming on amazon prime video (laughs) so basically it's this nerdy girl who was bullied by all of her classmates which led to her unfortunate death but she comes back from the afterlife as a sexy seductress and one by one, Final Destination style, she goes and hunts down all of those who bullied her. But the one scene that sticks in my mind is when there's one of the girls who's running, scared for her life, you know, like tripping over herself, all like, ah, ah, don't get me. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, the ghost of sexy seductress Tamara is walking at a pace that I can only describe as a supermodel running down the runway who's really pissed and just wants to be done with her shift, walking in high heels as briskly as possible. Meanwhile, the other person is sprinting and tripping and falling away. I can imagine his elbows are really high. Exactly. (laughs) 
I was breaking out laughing. I couldn't even take the movie anymore. I'm like, is it even trying to be a horror movie at this point? You you pretty much just described the same exact plot line as the movie Unfriended. That movie that takes in the entirety of the movie is is in one big Skype call. Yeah. And and just like tanked in the theaters, but like because it was a Blumhouse film, like he's just like, ah. Like uh, Blumhouse is a genius man. And and the reason he's a genius is not because he makes just the worst horror movies ever and some of them are actually good. Like the fact that he is able to take everybody's horror movie. Like he's just like, did you make this movie for a hundred thousand dollars? I will buy it and turn you over like a million dollar profit. Like that's all it has to make with a Blumhouse film is you make a million dollars and you've already made a profit on your low budget horror film. That's why he buys all of the horror movies that are made by people. It's a brilliant uh, like studio plan. Mm-hmm. Just like find these people who will make these cheap movies, you produce them and then sell them and they turn a profit because people love terrible horror movies. Yeah. All you, don't you know the, the perfect way to, to like the horror film genre is you make a monster that isn't scary, but as long as you do a jump scare at the very end, hard cut to black, you have a horror movie. That's yeah, all. And, and at the very beginning, like you, you, your title, your title screen is a jump scare in itself and the movie ends on a jump scare. And then you, you have a horror film. Yep. Congratulations. You've done it. You've made a Blumhouse film. 12. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually seen that entire series, by the way, the, the Paranormal Activity. What, what, what other? T- oh, yeah, the Paranormal. Yeah. I've done one and two. <laughs> yeah, I, I tapped out after that. I've three seen one, two, three, bad. and four, I believe. Yeah. Th- uh, three wasn't bad. Which one was four? Was four the marked ones? The ones that... I think that like, was the cult one? No, so, okay, so... One is, you know, the original one. Two is the prequel. Yep. To, uh, and then three is the flashback to the 80s. Yep. From the home video when, when, they, were, when they were kids. Uh, four is the one, is the old the one where, it's, where, they introduced, where they introduce that brand new girl and then she's discovering like the cult activity and then they, they end up chasing her down in that house at the end. Yeah. And number five is the, the marked ones. Yeah, I've seen, like, yeah with the Hispanic family. And yep. then I, I didn't, I didn't see that one. I did. It, and no, I don't remember it. <laughs> I, I've seen it, but I don't remember it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, that was like, that was a good tangent on. Yeah. Blum, did on Sarah Blumhouse. tell her worst? Yes. Yeah. Watership down. Watership down. Right. Right. Yes. Sorry. How how could you forget Watership down? <laughs> We're trying to because I'll never forget. I, we'll I will. I will never. Forget we'll see, that. Sarah. I, I liked your answer because um, it wasn't necessarily because Watership Down is a bad film. It's because it scarred you, and now you have a vendetta against that. Yeah. Exactly. And I wanted to be as upfront about that as possible. I am yeah. biased. This is this is personally my most hated movie. Not because I think the quality is bad, but just because of what it did to me and i suppose <laughs> what if it we does want... to children everywhere <laughs> yeah well and, and i think if we wanted to go that way i think the movie that it would be on on the on the tip of my tongue would be lord of the flies oh like, yes like our, okay maybe this could be a good topic of what's a movie that wasn't bad per se but kind of ruined your life but scarred you lord yeah of the flies. lord of the flies yeah i actually have to agree with that that because uh, like it, it like that was such a perfect storm so i i don't know if anybody's read the book to lord of the flies love um, it yeah. Um, R.I.P. Piggy. Yeah, there was there was a, a yeah. movie. 
Spoiler. version. <laughs> there was a movie version of it as well. And we saw it at our grandparents one night. Um, and I even think it was on TV. It was on too. TV, yeah. And it was it was vile, like like seriously really messed up stuff. Well, like for kids our age. We 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 were probably in elementary school. Yeah. And we saw it. and and like the idea of like children killing children. I, I would still be horrified by that movie. I, I can't. Yeah. I don't think I could ever watch that movie again. Yeah, it's um, the whole idea of children killing children, and but, and like not just killing them, but like they're brutally murdering each other for power. And you're just like, holy shit! Yeah. Like, um, but the I, I want to say that the best part of the story, though, was that like you and I were pretty shaken by that movie, and and that was a time where like um, like our dad, we were at our grandparents every Tuesday. And our dad would come over after work and then he would meet us there to have dinner with us. And then he came to the house and he was just like, you know, it's kind of been a rough day for us all. And as as to which he didn't know, we watched Lord of the Flies that day, but Andrew and I were like, yeah, yeah, it was. And then he was like, so I bought this movie so that we could watch it. And it was the three amigos um oh my god if you haven't seen the three amigos like if even if you've seen watership down or lord of the flies it will make everything better um i've actually had the privilege of seeing two of the three amigos live in person with martin short and steve martin which is so cool yeah um and and like the three amigos like and that was such a palate cleanser and it was such a great thing and like by the way the reason why andrew and i love movies so much is only because our dad loved movies just as much we know more about movies than he did now but um but he loved to watch them he loved consuming movies even bad movies he loved watching like he liked ghost rider is like how much he just loved watching movies so Um, like yeah an, an interesting thing about that as well is like after Lord of the Flies, like it, it was interesting watching Lord of the Flies at such a young age. But another movie we also watched at such a young age was John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh. And that and did we, not scar me. That loved to it. this day is still the best horror movie ever made. Yeah, I think ever. maybe the reason why it doesn't scar you is because that's more of a fantastical horror, yes, whereas correct. Lord of Flies is more, this could actually happen. Yeah, like this 100% is 100% real. realistic. Yep. Yep, absolutely. But 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 uh, yeah, the the thing like and and this is like not too many years apart that we watched Lord of the Flies and the Thing. Uh and and like I watched the I watched the thing like yeah like this is a movie all right and so and like that's what like really got me into horror and still to this day number one horror movie ever made one of the best films ever made in my opinion is is John Carpenter's The Thing. That's a good question. I want to keep going with it. Anybody else have a have a vendetta movie? Um, mine is more personable, and I think you can kind of understand why it's more personal. Um, the movie Rain Man. Okay. Oh, all right. So you definitely, under- definitely, definitely Rain Man. Yeah, definitely <laughs> Rain Man. Because here's the thing: with me being on the autism spectrum, every time I bring it up, and this was from middle school all the way through college. Oh, so it's- you like the Rain Man? Oh, so you're just like the Rain Man? Yeah, you definitely. You like the people's court. You have to wear the right under. You got to do all this stuff, and I'm like. Dustin Hoffman ruined my fucking life in ways that he will never, ever, ever understand. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. Rain Man is a decent movie, but it's a, you know, this was made in the late 80s. Autism wasn't really known as much 
back in the late 80s compared to how it is now with so many different forms of the spectrum, high end, low end, and that sort of stuff. To still have that aspect where, like, you're cornered into, like, Rain Man. People will still say, like, Rain Man is the ultimate film about autism. No. No, it's not. Interestingly enough, the guy who wrote Rain Man wrote another movie about autism and Asperger's called Mozart and the Whale with Josh Hartnett in it. Wow, Light years better. Light years better than Rain Man. Showed a more realistic approach to both autism and Asperger's than Rain Man ever did. Went direct to DVD. No one ever went and saw it. I think I've heard of that film. Never, um, I, yeah, definitely never saw it. But. Well, then I guess the question is, 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 have you ever seen the movie Mercury Rising? You know, that's actually a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Uh, Bruce Willis uh, protecting the autistic kid who yeah. figured out the code. That's a great movie. Yeah, that's that one movie. and um and Silent Fall. Have you ever seen Silent Fall? No. Where it's the autistic kid who possibly saw his parents get murdered and like he's the only witness to it. Oh my gosh. That and like John Lithgow is like his ther- was his therapist. That that is that is ringing some bells now. Like I don't very I, good. Yeah. Like so, Silent Fall, Mercury Rising, and Mozart in the Whale are three movies about people who are on the autism spectrum that I highly recommend far more than fucking Rain Man. But cool. it's, but yeah, I love Bruce Willis and Mercury Rising. Silent Fall was really good, and Mozart in the Whale. It's a very, which is a very underrated movie that I feel a lot more people should be watching. All right, so call out to our fans. Everyone reach out to Dustin Hoffman to see if he can call into our podcast and we can discuss this further. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? You know, with these times, he might do it. (laughs) I heard you didn't like Rain Man. (laughs) Is that what Dustin Hoffman sounds like? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Let's bring him on. We'll find out. I think he's got more of a voice like this right now, you know, because he's old. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he's a tough one he's a tough one to nail down but if but if you do nail nail him down it's, it's mm-hmm. a good good impression all right sarah are you still there with us <laughs> uh yeah i'm still here i'm just like just letting letting the conversation roll on she's vibing <laughs> i'm vibing the rivers are flowing <laughs> anybody um, else have a vendetta movie or do we want to move on to the next thing well, well uh, i mean maybe maybe not a vendetta but like uh, on the topic of like it's it's a vendetta movie because it scarred me and and it reminds there's another movie that kind of has scarred me i like it though but Ooh. it did scar me and i only watched it um like just a few months ago uh for the first time one flew over the cuckoo's nest oh, oh yes. that's such a good movie and like oh. the ending the ending just gave me such such oh god like such mixed feelings inside so like it kind of scarred me but in a good way so i just wanted to put that out there because that, that that's a pretty good film. oh that's a great film yeah oh, oh it's like a that's, i think i watched acting that in, in it school. and yeah. the acting in it is is really good and it's it's just yeah the message and oh, i will I say really this and it. odds are this might get censored out so greg prepare yourself <laughs> no one no one says the word cunt better than Jack Nicholson. And <laughs> that nah, we don't have to cut that out. Who cares? <laughs> um Oh, Jim Jeffries. You know. Oh no, Jim. Well Yeah, he <laughs> says it the best. I'm sorry. You I thought say, Jim Jeffries scarred you. <laughs> no, I'm saying <laughs> I know who says the word cunt the best, and it's Jim Jeffries. Well, Jack Nicholson says it the coolest. That's that's what maybe what I would have wanted Jack to say. Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there were plenty of, of times in like Disney films and stuff where 
there was scary scary imagery in Disney films that would. How many mothers died in all those Disney films? All of them. All yeah. of them died. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like which Disney film it was, though. Maybe it wasn't a Disney film that Bam- was. Like... Bambi, they killed the mother off, right? No, that never that never did anything to me. Like in, I, I in Sleeping Beauty, her parents are still alive. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I only know that because I love that's like my favorite of the Disney princess movies, like the classic yeah. ones. Yeah, and they never did kill off Dumbo's mom. They just put that's... her in jail. That's true. <laughs> just put her in She's an elephant jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, elephant jail's no joke. <laughs> never it's called the circus. Now, now, just out of curiosity, are we going to keep going with these questions, or are we do we have like actual news and stuff to go through as well? Well, there's really not much news to report. We also because, have a game yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, like, the next thing that I wanted to do was the game. Was our was our by the rights game? Yeah, we got a game. Um, do we want to do that? Game time. Um, so, game. <laughs> in, so for those of you who have been listening to us continuously, we've been making our own, our own anime season due to the quarantine and, and uh, making our own stuff. But now we're going to switch it up for Wicked Cinema and we're going to do Buy the Rights, which is a game that I kickstarted a while back because we played it at the Boston Festival of Indie Games. Um, mm-hmm. And this is kind of like an improv game of the same way where uh, you, you have a bunch of movie cards that you... Uh, pick a genre and a character and you have to make the movie and then pitch it. And then you have to be better than the other people who are pitching movies. Uh, in this case, we're going to come up with a film uh, based off of the cards that we draw, like right on the bat, we're going to pick from, from a couple of them. And then uh, we're going to make a movie in 10 minutes. Yeah, and if you, and, uh, and if you stick, stick around after this podcast, yeah. because we did a trial run before we recorded and it turned it out to be a lot better than we It went pretty well. It went pretty dang well. Yeah, we don't know how this one's going to turn out, but we know that there's at least a successful one that's going to be at the end of this one. Yeah, that's it. We're basing Who's, it off of the, We're basing our, this run off the successful one, so we don't know if it's actually going to work. Who's to say shrug emoji? <laughs> okay, so first up, um, I, I, have, I drew two genre cards, and we're going to pick from one of those genre cards. So... Um, and they're good ones I, that I drew. Like I, I legitimately just drew these and they're sitting in front of me and, and they're good. Um, so our genre film is either going to be a video game adaption Ooh. or a gritty reboot. Gritty reboot. Gritty reboot. So that means that we have to, so um, that doesn't necessarily Wait, mean that we have to make a I, movie. movie make I have a movie. question. Yeah. Does this refer to the... Um, the mascot for the Philadelphia Flyers, Gritty. Oh my God. That giant <laughs> orange abomination. Yeah. Is this oh a goodness. reboot of something that happens to have Gritty in it? I don't know, maybe. I guess that's up to the interpretation. So I'm guessing I'm guessing what you're gonna say, Jonathan, is is it doesn't like we if if we're making a gritty reboot of a movie that doesn't exist, like we can yeah. also make up a movie that doesn't exist beforehand that, to make the, a reboot, the gritty reboot, reboot version like, of it. Yes. Reboot anything and involve that friggin' mascot in it. <laughs> so um, next, next Black one Hawk we have to down do. with gritty. <laughs> uh, Next, next thing that we have to do is we have to pick the, uh, the hero of the film. And the first part is that we have a descriptor of the hero, and then we have the type of hero that we have in here. So the descriptor is either between hard-headed or influential. And so a hard-headed or influential conspiracy theorist or greeting card writer. 
<laughs> greeting, greeting card greeting writer. Card writer. <laughs> okay. Hard-headed greeting card writer. Yeah. <laughs> a hard, a hard-headed <laughs> greeting card writer. Yes. Named Gritty. Yeah. <laughs> Can it star Mel Gibson like from What Women Want? Like Gritty doesn't talk. The only way he can communicate is with greeting cards. <laughs> greeting cards. Greeting cards. Hard-hitting greeting cards. Okay, so then the last thing that we have to do is we have to decide what the plot of the film is. Um, so we have a gritty reboot of a greeting card writer who is hard-headed. Um, but the plot of the movie is marrying and then murdering a series of wealthy widows. <laughs> or... Oh. Inheriting a ma- malfunctioning robot from an eccentric uncle. What's with the robots? I like the first one better. What was the first one? Um, marrying and then murdering a series oh, of wealthy widows. Oh, that's kind of picturing- cool, guys. Yes. Except, especially because he's like hard-headed and a greeting card writer. Can you just imagine that? Like, it's like right after like he kills one of his wives, then like he's able to suddenly write greeting cards better or some something. Oh my like god, that would make too much sense if you weave it the correct way. So, <laughs> speaking, speaking I need vibing. inspiration for my sympathy cards. I'm not. I'm not sad enough to understand you. I feel your I'm sorry. Pain. Your daughter now. fell down the stairs. <laughs> they don't put that in shoebox cards all right so i'm guessing we're doing the wi- the widow's one because sarah seems to be vibing with that one hard well, right, hey, hey you, you guys jumped on it yeah no we we're no, like already spitballing ideas like before we even decided so you know what oh, i'm sorry your son got impaled by this uh, I'm sorry your wife fell down the stairs. Sounds like you need to hire some new au pairs. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why, Derek? Why? (laughs) Because it rhymes, Greg. Because it rhymes. Okay. So so a couple things that we need to talk about for our movie. By the way, uh, Evan, do you want to start the 10-minute timer? Uh, You know what? I'm going to restart it. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to restart it. So a couple things that we need to talk about is what was the original film like if this is a gritty reboot? Um, so I'm going to say it was is, like a 1930s, 1940s black and white movie. Okay. Um, the next thing that we that we need to talk about is we need to talk well, Jimmy about... Stewart, Jimmy Stewart had to play yes. the... Uh, <laughs> I agree. Jimmy Stewart, of course. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. My wife just understandably just fell down the I, stairs. So I, hold on. Wait, hold on. If, if it's a gritty reboot, though, that means that the original was not gritty. So yes. this, that yes. the first one had to be a comedy. So, yes. Um, so, not necessarily uh, a comedy it it would have to be campy in the way that like okay well we had uh we had um there's a murder happening what's, next door what's his name uh <laughs> the batman uh tv show like adam west well, adam, but, yeah it's but like, it's like, like but having an adam west tv well. show it's like yeah. having the adam west tv show and then making batman begins like because batman begins starred the gritty remake genre yep so um, what okay. was that, Sarah? I was thinking, like, like in tone, like the original could have been something like Clue, almost, where it was kind of like a whodunit, and it's kind of yeah. like okay. almost like yes. the wacky hijinks kind of yeah. version. But this is like the they were trying to make it serious this time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, could, I, I actually believe it or not, I, I, <laughs> Derek. I Derek just changed his his picture to gritty, and it's horrifying. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, 
the next thing that we have to talk about is what That's is the, the title reboot i want <laughs> what is the title gonna be and then also who would be the actors and mm-hmm. actresses in it mm-hmm. so uh, um the title should be with great sympathy yes i agree oh. i was gonna say something with sympathy in it as well uh, actually that's really good it <laughs> is so good <laughs> starring jim carrey yeah no no um, no i'm gonna get the serious actors i liked i liked your idea of, of putting mel gibson in it yeah i, I liked i like derek's mel gibson uh, i mean yeah the pre-anti-semite mel gibson <laughs> Well, he, I, 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 I kind of like also had Dustin Hoffman on the mind too. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, like if you if you think about it, so you Dustin know, we Hoffman. We still reach out, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was in the first iteration of Straw Dogs when it was a yeah. grindhouse film. When he was, was also yeah. in Meet the Fockers, and I loved that movie. <laughs> It's almost like it's, it's funny because it's almost like Dustin Hoffman is doing the gritty reboot thing in reverse. He started off doing like a really bunch of uh, like gritty stuff, and now he's doing all lighthearted stuff because haha, it's Dustin Hoffman, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, so Dustin Hoffman, is... do we want Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> well, Dustin Hoffman would be a good transition from Jimmy Stewart in the original to. To Dustin Hoffman because they kind of look similar. Dustin Hoffman's a lot shorter than Jimmy Stewart, but they kind of have the same structure. Mm. So, you, you know, honestly, I, I know that he's a character actor, but what about like Doug Jones? Ooh! <laughs> yes! Because I've seen what Doug Jones looks like without any makeup whatsoever. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, and he and he and he acted as Abe, and so he, and he's a perfectly fine actor well, as Abe. He, he actually also did another film too that was on uh, Netflix, which was uh, what was it called? Um, it was called like 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 Brawl or something like that, where they just took. It, it, okay, so talk about movies that were t- like Netflix movies that are terrible. Um, it, it was a movie where they kidnapped women and threw them into like this underground lair. And then like these giant cement doors would just open up and another woman would come in and they would just fight to the death. And Doug <laughs> Jones was like the president of the whole thing. And, um, and, and, and he was just being a regular actor. Doug, it's a terrible film. But Doug Jones, Doug Jones is also one of the uh, prison guards in Orange is the New Black. Hmm. Yeah. So. So he does do acting. He he is he is an actor. So we are we are casting Doug Jones in our gritty reboot of a of a Jimmy Stewart uh white comedy. comedy where where he killed widows that he married uh to to make sympathy cards in order to sympathize with the sympathy cards. What were we called again? Get this. well soon. No, no, no with, with, with great, great sympathy. sympathy. With, with great sympathy. With great, okay, with great yeah. sympathy. And the more deaths that happens, the more he, he inherits and he becomes this massive multi-millionaire greeting card like company owner. So so what are his consequences though? Obviously he's creating murders and there has to be somebody chasing after him. There has to be like a detective that's like looking at greeting cards all the time when he's like trying to like blow off some steam and he's noticing like oh, there are oh. greeting cards that are tying to certain things no, that just recently happened. I got, yeah, I got a great I got a great opening trailer scene. <laughs> so so Doug Jones is in, you know, the card department, like reading his own cards because he's a, he's, cause he's like a psychopath killer. And the cop who's chasing after him 
uh, is is there reading greeting cards as well. And Doug Jones is doing like this creepy like like I really like writing sympathy cards. Like doing like kind of like this like have you have you ever thought about how they're able to empathize with people with sympathy cards? It's actually quite more difficult than you think. You know, he's going like on this like kind of like crazy monologue and the cop, cop is like staring at him like okay. It was like yeah like do you have any recommendations for a card like uh like oh my daughter's graduating. He's like here and Doug Jones takes one out here this one would be good for your daughter. And then he leaves, you know, I was like, Oh, the serial killer gave the cop his, his green card, was, you know, for his daughter's graduation. So that'd be great. Obviously the cop has to be Hugh Jackman. Uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm just imagining some scenes where like the cop goes to the funerals for his wives to like investigate and yep. like people give 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 uh, Duck Jones greeting cards in sympathy for his wife passing, and they're the greeting cards that he wrote himself. Oh I can, my god! Oh. I can okay, so I can just imagine that the trailer ends with with uh, Doug, uh, like Doug Jones in like his attic or something like that, and there are just greeting cards that are just tiled all throughout the floor, and he's just sitting there, you know, just like uh, mm. <laughs> what. Why aren't we making this movie? <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're making it right now. <laughs> Copyright Wicked Anime Do Not Steal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is how like most those Kevin Smith movies came to be because of conversations like this. Uh, you know, movies like Yoga Hosers and yeah. Tusk and Red State. We'll see, um it, and it would be really funny because then we would have to say, you know, we're making, we're making this film and we're just like, but it's, it's a reboot of, of a 1930s Jimmy Stewart film and it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's kind of like when you're watching Dark Place. <laughs> it's like the first episode where they're talking about it and it's like, you know, oh, back in the 1980s when they wouldn't let us, they wouldn't let us air it because it was too controversial. <laughs> I love dark, dark Garth Marenghi's Dark yes. Place. <laughs> like maybe one of the Blu-ray uh, bonus features is the original movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we just geez. find someone to play I got, Jimmy Stewart. I gotta make these greeting cards, but I don't know, I don't know what to write. <laughs> I've got some kind of writer's block. Oh writer's no, block. my wife has fallen down down the stairs and she's dead. Whoa. Light bulb. And see, I, I could just imagine Jimmy Stewart saying, "Don't bother me, hun," and just accidentally pushes her. <laughs> Don't bother. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Why is my work desk so close to the stairs? Well, as I could just—I'm just like imagining if you guys remember in Green Acres, like the woman who plays his wife in Green Acres, that being like his first wife. <gasps> that Ava actress. Gabor. Yeah, Ava Gabor. <laughs> she's, she's so cute and. So Sweet, and I just can just. She's like, "Oh, honey, what are you doing up here?" And then he just like accidentally pushes her down, and it's just like, "Oh." Ah. <laughs> this is, this is too good. So I, this is too good. I want to stop the timer because I want to keep this conversation going. <laughs> so, um, yeah. part of me is thinking that uh, for the gritty reboot, I, I would say that Doug Jones writes a line of sympathy cards based off of the first murder. And then he keeps remarrying um, to try and then murdering them to try to re 
re like get that feeling of the sympathy that he felt. Yes. But he yes. can't, which is so he can't reproduce it. So it gets darker and darker <laughs> and darker. And and like it's just his like delving into madness. And which is which is gonna be his hubris at the end, which ends up being like he gets so over the top about it that he's easier to catch. Well see, and that's just it is the whole explosive theme of the film is he thinks he has to kill to write sympathy cards but he's not sympathetic because he's a psychopath and yeah. so so like he 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 exhibits no sympathy therefore he doesn't understand sympathy of death yeah he's just like i don't get it <laughs> Yeah, but but then again, he would have to be successful in the beginning, though, because he felt he felt Correct. the pain, and he could get that sympathy and understanding. Oh, oh no, no, because it was it's, so it's at his. Oh, oh, oh go ahead, Evan. All right. <laughs> All right, okay. So maybe because it was so traumatic the first time that every other time it happens, it's kind of watered down. Mm-hmm. I had right, the sure. idea that maybe maybe what happens is the first time his wife dies, and then. He- he just repeats what everyone says to him at the funeral. Like everyone's giving Whoa. him condolences at the funeral oh. and he, they're, they're all these genuine condolences. And so he just steals all of those <laughs> for his greeting cards. And he doesn't understand that that's where they came from. So when he's murdering people to get the inspiration, he doesn't understand that that's not where it's coming from anymore. And, yeah. Oh and my gosh. Just, I think that, I think that would be really, <laughs> I think we got it. I think this, we I think I, we nailed it. I think we have a yes. film. I don't I yeah, I don't think we need to touch on this anymore. I think we have a film. Print no no second draft. We're good. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Give me I, my million dollars, Blumhouse. I just want to say Blum. that if you stay till the end to listen to the practice round that we did, it's way more campy. We actually ended up creating the the nightmare vendetta film for the next generation of kids <laughs> just yeah. growing up. <laughs> yeah. <It's> so true. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Um, do we want to talk about some films that we recently saw so that we could talk about some stuff? Yeah, because there were a couple that just popped up on Netflix and that is this what, we all recommended. Is, yeah, is this going to be the films that we review? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if everybody has seen these, so... Um, yeah, so well, we we put out some homework to ourselves to watch uncut gems, mm-hmm. and then really, really late in the game, uh, I watched it, and I'll probably just talk about it on my own. Uh, we talked, we we all watched uh, the Disaster Artist. Yeah, I watched it. Um, yeah. uh, and 
so now we want to talk about those films because they're relevant and recent, I guess. Disaster Artist isn't as recent and relevant, but I think the message has just like this inspirational relevancy. I, I guess I'm already kind of spoiling how I feel about Disaster Artist, but <laughs> um, uh, but it's a lot deeper than that. Uh, so I don't know. Do we want to start with Uncut Gems? Because I think more of us watched Uncut Gems. Than- no, I, well, I've yeah. I mean, I've seen Disaster Artist when yeah. when it was like new. What? Uh, Sarah, Derek, and Greg, did you, I know, Derek, you don't have Netflix, so you couldn't get a hold of it, but did you guys see, I know, and Greg, you, you've seen Uncut Gems. Yeah, so I've seen Uncut and Disaster Artist like a while ago, so okay. my memories are a little frayed, but yeah. I could so maybe the more we talk it. about it, you'll be like, oh, now I remember. And no, Sarah, gotcha. did you, were you able to watch Uncut Gems? Uh, I was not able to watch either of them. I'm very sorry. Okay. Well, we're <laughs> I'm not, not going to be very useful. Well, that's okay. We're not going to spoil them in case you yeah. still want to see them, but we are going to heavily critique them. Okay. So at the well, at the end, do you? I can I can just give a little blurb about a movie that I watched recently that's way older. Sure. Oh yeah, m- most definitely. We're definitely yeah. going to be doing uh, like what we've watched recently. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll do a, we'll do a what we're watching like in the same way that Wicked Anime goes. We have a what we're watching section. I, I also do want to do that as well because I've been watching some stuff that I want to talk about. Today. Yeah, me, me too. Cool, cool, me cool. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll start with we'll start with Uncut Gems. Yeah. Um, uh, and Greg, Greg, you've seen it, so. Can, yeah, so Uncut Gems, like, straight-up great film. It is a, it, a great movie. It felt very underappreciated when it came time for, you know, yeah. awards, stuff like that. Because this, honestly, I think from a dramatic point, a dramatic standpoint, this was Adam Sandler, like, at his best. I think that he should stick to drama in, in a way. Me too. <laughs> I feel like he should be doing what Bill Murray does and, like, go back and forth between the comedy and the drama. Yeah. Because, um, it, it, like, he, he... I So... Our cousin, who works in Hollywood, by the way, um, he uh, has this rule that he follows for movies where if you watch an actor and you forget that you're watching the actor playing the film. Like, for instance, his his greatest example is that he's literally never seen a Tom Cruise movie where he hasn't just said, that's Tom Cruise on screen, except for uh, Valkyrie. The one where they do like the um, Nazi invasion thing. Yeah, they try um, to kill up Hitler. Yeah, um, that's he said that's the only film that he forgot that Tom Cruise wasn't playing Tom Cruise. In this really case, not even like Collateral because that's another one yeah. where like Tom Cruise wasn't Tom Cruise. I guess not. Um, but but this was my my one for Adam Sandler. Like I totally just like the the Adam Sandler vibe went away. I, w- I was watching a, n- a whole nother person embody this character. The only time where I I was going, oh, that's Am Sandler, it was right in the beginning of the film where you're looking at the colonoscopy that he's doing. And I made the joke of, oh, he's looking for the script of Groman Ops 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then after that, it's like, oh, God. I got to sit back. I got to sit back and watch. Oh, wow. Can I say this? Like the way that the movie is made and the way... And this, this plays into, like, the sound aspect of the film. There were parts of the film where hearing it made you uncomfortable. Yeah. But that was the point. Like, it's so noisy. You're hearing people talking over each other. And, like, it, it's kind of, like, unnerving in places. Yes. It's like he's always in these loud environments because, like, his, his whole life is kind of, like, loud and obnoxious because he is a loud and obnoxious character. What so, a different kind of loud and obnoxious that you'd see from Adam Sandler in other films. So you definitely hit the nail on the head with that aspect. Um, that is a unique thing that you rarely... See. I'm talking about like 
the when when you see people crossing lines over with one another in Hollywood films, that is a very, very, very rare thing to hear. So the last time I heard somebody critique that kind of a, a thing was the um the movie A Thing from Another World, which is, you know, the precursor to John Carpenter's The Thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh so a, a thing from the thing from another world was actually written by a comedy director. The sci-fi horror movie was written by a comedy director. And so all the lines in the movie are writ- are comical, but it's still a horror film and it's still a great horror film. And it's a technique that is so underutilized, but so important that I think Hollywood writers should really pay attention to because they did it in, uh, in this film and it created so much chaos yeah. that you never see that. Because when I watched Uncut Gems, I saw this and I was just like, man, this movie's a fever dream. Holy crap. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's literally just a comedy of errors of this one guy who always makes the worst decision possible. Like he's, Oh yeah. He, he like every decision that comes across his way, there's a clear, this is the right decision. This is the wrong decision. And he always makes the wrong decision. And it's frustrating to watch because every single character in the movie is pretty dang unlikable. There are no yeah. likable characters. Everybody in the movie. is a hateable character, which is funny because there's like three characters that play themselves. Um, Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett uh, from the Celtics. He plays himself. And he's a terrible person. Uh, and the the rapper, The Weekend, is yeah. there. And he's and like the things that he does in the movie. He's only in it for like for like five minutes, but those five minutes are deplorable. <laughs> like, oh yeah, without yeah. question. He's, and, well, it, and it's like funny, it's a fucked up version of the weekend. Well, yeah. and the funny the funny part about the weekend being in the movie is I didn't know he was real because because I don't that's, that's oh yeah not, he's real that's, he's, yeah, he's that's collaborated not, you should hear his collaborations with Daft Punk directly. No, I won't. I, I won't. Because, <laughs> because that's what I want to say. Because one like, more time, like I saw I saw him in the movie and I thought he was singing parody of what that genre of music was because no, it was so actual, really because it was like so bad and and so horrible i was just like oh he's that this character is making a parody of of what the genre of music is and then in the credits i was like weekend as himself i was like ouch <laughs> sorry for your unfortunate terrible quote-unquote music writing <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, it, but it was an interesting atmosphere that they play, and it, it's there was there wasn't a single moment of comfort in the entire film. And you could um, you it, when you're watching the film, you can feel the weight of the world, the same exact pressure yeah. and weight of the world yeah. of Adam Sandler's characters on your shoulder while you're watching it. So, if you don't like that feeling, you probably won't like this movie. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up too is the fact that like this is one of those rare movies where you feel like you're in the movie with him. Yeah. You are experiencing everything with him. Last time I ever felt that way about any other movie was probably Terry Gilliam's adaptation of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh. Ooh. Because, like, with that film, you felt like you were on that acid trip with, um, with uh, Hunter S. Thompson and um, the other character, uh, Dr. Gonzo. So... And I don't know if I, I, I think you I, you kind of touched on this already with like the the dialogue and how bombastic and loud his life is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if you noticed, but they also every single scene is shot in like really claustrophobic rooms. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a part of the whole. That's what I felt like helped make the film louder and suffocating and suffocating. 
Yeah. Like there's always, he's always in like crowds of people or mm-hmm. a tiny office or his jewelry store is in this tiny little room and or people trunk. are, and people are getting caught between his glass door, his security door. People mm-hmm. are getting caught in that door and that's suffocating. So it's all about this claustrophobia and suffocating of mm-hmm. like the, of the world around him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of the, that just made me think of the, the term of like, like these gambles that he's making is kind of like this sort of, financial autoerotic asphyxiation that he's going through yeah well (laughs) and remember the scene when he's at his daughter's play and there's Mm -hmm. just all these people around him and it's such a struggle for him to get out of that seat and go back to and talk to the thugs like he had such a struggle because it's so claustrophobic like there's so many people around him yeah and and those people oh my gosh i feel this uncomfort yeah, and like those people who turned around and were asking him questions, like they were just being nice and talking to him, but you still felt like they were in his face, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, interesting. Now, I, I want to talk to Greg because Greg did not like this film. Um, and without, without talking... My roommate didn't like this film either. Yeah, without spoiling it, Greg, what did you not like about this film? Uh, I'm sorry, name, name of the film again? I was <laughs> Uncut Gems, Greg. Oh, yeah, my apologies. I was slightly distracted. Um. <laughs> I didn't like this film because from what I can remember. He's not wacky, Adam Sandler. This isn't Jack and Jill too. Adam, oh God, that movie was just garbage on fire. He was too, he was like, I, maybe it was just his character, but he was just too loud the entire time. That was like the I, point. I, but I got a headache and I actually didn't. Again, that's the point. I, doesn't mean I don't like the movie, even if that's but the point. That it's and that's true. what I had said earlier. I had said that if you don't like those things, you won't like this film. So it is it is highly possible that somebody wouldn't like yeah. this film for the reason why it was made. Well, because I I was on the edge of Greg's opinion as well. Like I watched it and I didn't like it. My initial reaction was not good of the film, and then the more it sat and stewed with me, the more I actually figured out like, oh my gosh, that ending. Like ooh, and and the world that they oh my gosh, like that movie was actually kind of nice. Um, but the movie itself was was stressful. Mm-hmm. So so you watch the movie and, you, and you're kind of stressed out by it. So Greg, like you not liking the movie is not an it. Like that's that's it's very kind of into the the reasons why you didn't like the movie are actually in, it's interesting because that's the what, the reason why the movie was made. Like so it's yeah. right. So I think they could have he his character I didn't think had to be that loud. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have to be so chaotic of a character. Um, I think they could have just tamed it down just a little bit. I the difference for me though, I liked Kevin Garnett in the movie. I know John hated it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, he was just, such an asshole. That was, but that was the point of his character was to kind of be an asshole. You know, it, it was. Yes. <laughs> but it was Kevin. It was actually Kevin Garnett. <laughs> I, <laughs> what? That that's his actual personality. I think that was just for the part. No, no, yeah, I know, just, but like yeah. it's so funny because he's representing himself in in film form. And yeah. so, like, he, the fact that he was actually, like, okay with representing himself that way in a right. film is just like, oh, that's It's kind of like how, like, Judd Apatow playing himself in the other movie we're going to be talking about. Mm. But Wait, that which, was... Should we do that? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Greg. Finish up. No, I was just going to say, uh, I liked that. Didn't like the yelling, and there was something else. Or it was just too... Maybe this... I think the pacing of the movie was mm-hmm. just too... I don't want to say fast, and I, I like chaos has been overused. Yeah, but it, it, it was, was just too it was. much. I'm like, you got to tone it down. 
someone, oh, I, yeah. forget who, I forget who it was, but like there was a great article about Uncut Gems comparing the first and second acts of the film to the fable of uh, Sisyphus. You know, trying what? to push the stone up the hill, but always rolling back. Mm, yeah. But then act three being uh, the story of Icarus, who flew too close to the sun without spoiling anything. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that, that doesn't spoil so anything. true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. I, I, so I give it a recommendation. I think people should watch it. I, Absolutely. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it after stewing on it. I didn't enjoy it immediately. I enjoyed it after stewing on it. So. I liked it from the beginning. So I, I kind of knew what I was going to get into when I was watching it. So, um, so I, I liked it from the start. Yeah. Um, it's just me like just <laughs> sitting there just going, Ooh. Yeah. And I, and I loved the ending. I, absolutely Mm -hmm. love the ending yeah which is the most important part of the film in my opinion i think the most important part of the film is the ending of your of your film yeah um so the other film that we're talking about for this review section is uh the disaster artist yeah which has been out for three years almost three years now um but this this was the first time I saw it because it was this accessible. To it me. was it was hard yes. to find. It was hard to find the disaster artist. So um, it it not everybody has had a chance to see it until it has finally hit Netflix. So I I also want to go and and in and say I love the room. Like I can watch the room. Like and you you watch the room in the way that it what it turned into. You watch it to laugh at it. And then yeah. you say, oh my gosh, Tommy Wiseau is a genius. Um, and <laughs> it's like Freddy Got Fingered, kind of. Yes. Kind of. Because the difference with Freddy Got Fingered was, uh, was uh, Tom Green said, like, got, uh, got a money from the studio and then said, F you studio, I'm going to make whatever I want. And that's exactly, that's why like, in the film, he like, looks at the camera and he said, I did this because they gave me a million dollars. So I did it. They gave me a million dollars and I said it. Yeah. So this is, so, so that was one thing, but this is Tommy Wiseau's vanity project. Tommy Wiseau has an endless money pit and he, and he's just like, I'm going to make a movie about myself. And then and like, and no he, one knows where any, where this money comes from, by the way. Yeah. And when, and like all the stuff comes into play and the amazing thing about this movie, I'm, I'm going to jump right to the end real quick and then we can talk about the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. The, I love seeing the aftermath of The Room because this movie really shows what kind of person Tommy Wiseau was and then how it humbled him as a human being because you see him in interviews on the news. He's laughing at himself. He, now he makes like comedy on purpose because he's a terrible writer and as, as people say, Tommy is the best at being the worst. Um, yeah. and now which, is, which is weird because, like, remember when he and, um, and, and Greg made the, um, made the, uh, the Dark Knight scene? Yes. And yes. Tommy was so wound up actually being an amazing Joker. Yes. Him, yes. And, him and me made the Dark yeah. Knight scene. <laughs> His best friend, Greg. Uh. Um, and, uh, and, but you see him, like, I saw him on a news interview talking about the room after the disaster artist came out. And he's talking with them and he's laughing and he's saying, I love those guys. Like they, they made a great film and he's like, this is me. Like the room is my film. And I like, and so he's embraced how much of a catastrophic failure his movie was 
but embraced it to the point where the end, you know, in the ending of the film, you have Greg or, or uh, you know, the Franco brothers, and he's talking to he's talking to Tommy, and he's saying, "Look at all those people. You made all these people feel this kind of joy and and get this kind of reaction out of them." Do you think Hitchcock ever got a reaction like this? Yeah, and and I watched that. And mm. I was nearly in tears, like because of how utterly inspirational that message of disaster was. Now, yeah. hold on one second, though. Yeah. Um, there's a difference, though. Uh, in the book that yeah. was written, the Disaster Arts, the book. Yep. Um, th- th- it did not all happen in the first showing. Tommy Wiseau showed his film for weeks and weeks and weeks and could not understand why people reacted this way to his film. Then he finally understood why. And then he turned around. It took a long, long time. Yeah. But I think, I think the way they shot it in the movie was a good representation of exactly that. Like not like showing it over weeks and weeks and weeks is not as impactful as as showing it once and getting the same message out of it. You right. know, like, no, I totally get it, that. It, it's yeah. like two different... It's kind of like when the movie Dolomite Is My Name came out, mm. uh, which it's like a fictional version of how the first movie, first Dolomite movie was made. But it had a very similar theme and it had a very similar message to what the disaster artist had too. Right, yes. Um, yeah, I... I um, I I watched it and I watched you know how awful Tommy was to like his his cast members and his crew and you know and then how how painful it was to watch him make the wrong decisions and how he dragged this guy who wanted to be friends with him named Greg like into into his life and and they they created this thing together and Greg was like not successful but semi successful uh, and then there was that whole Malcolm in the Middle thing that you just felt that pain mm-hmm. of it. And then you have the this ending that's just a release of all that pent-up energy of this is my movie. And you're like, wow. Like, I, dead serious, dead serious, Disaster Artist will be one of the most inspirational films ever in my life. Like, I... I will put that up on a pedestal of how amazing that is. Because, again, I legitimately like The Room. I like it for the reason that everybody also likes it. You laugh at it because it's the worst film ever. But Tommy Wiseau, I love that man. He is amazing. And I think he's a genius. I really, really do. So, uh, because he's the best at being the worst. Yeah, um, I I would recommend uh, that. So, I haven't, but um, I've, I've looked into the book the disaster artist and um written by his friend who played mark in the room you know oh yes, hi mark yeah. Um, Greg yeah so um he so uh there's there's differences in there and people recommend that you read the book because there's a, a lot yeah. of things that they change for the movie for the sake of pacing and things like that yeah. so um well the reason why the reason why i don't have an issue with that at the moment is because Tommy Wiseau like wrote off this whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he, cause Tommy Wiseau even has a cameo in the film yeah. Yeah. Um, where, where he, he plays this random character, random party goer named Henry who talks to James Franco, Tommy Wiseau. 
and they have like this Tommy Wiseau talking to Tommy Wiseau conversation, and it's absolutely hilarious. Um, and to- the the thing about it is, is Tommy Wiseau was such a good sport about this movie being made, especially because in the beginning of the film, you know, all of Judd Apatow's friends in the in the film industry are talking about like what when they saw this movie, they were amazed at how a movie like this can even exist and, and that they're so grateful that it does exist because it's done so much. And, and I have to agree, like it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. And I know that we're like technically spoiling the whole movie, um, but, but not really. If it's, we, if no, it's because like everyone a, knows the story of the room. Like, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I just wanted to point cult. that out. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out for people who like one, it's been a book and two, like, you know, everybody, everybody at this point culturally kind of knows the room. And I mean, if you know how the room ends, this is just the production process of it. So there's, it's actually, it's kind of funny because it's actually more of a spoiler to uh, talk about the stuff at the beginning of the film. And you don't, when you don't know anything about how they got to making the room. So in in that sense, it's kind of funny that we're, we're doing this backwards. And I do like how the film opens with like all these testimonies from like uh, Kevin Smith and like just talking about like how amazing that the movie The Room is and just how they would have loved to have been a fly on the wall of the production of the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and oh, and just one and then, last thing. One oh. last thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I highly recommend it. Everybody needs to watch The Disaster Artist. Everybody also needs to watch The Room with a group of friends so you can laugh at it, how bad it is and, shoot, and you know, just root for it. Uh, the last thing I want to say is Zach Efron playing Ricky Ricky Jay or what like the the thug character mm-hmm. who is in yeah. the movie who everybody agrees is the best actor in the entire filming of the room that Zach Zach Efron plays him like in in the disaster is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's so great. I actually forgot about that. Yeah, I actually had, didn't know until like I saw the credits. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was like, it was Zach Efron. Holy crap, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So yes. Uh, now I'd say let's move on to what we're watching so we can get everybody else involved. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some films. We'll start with Sarah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if she's still there, she probably just walked away at this yeah. point. Yeah? <laughs> no, I was just like, I'm like, oh, this all sounds very nice. Yes, I'm definitely gonna go watch these movies now. Uh, <laughs> um, no, uh, the most I've been watching a lot of movies with my boyfriend, and he has seen a lot of movies that I haven't seen, and he really enjoys showing them to me because he's like, how on earth have you not seen this movie before? Yep. Um, so the most recent one that I watched that I really, really had a lot of fun with was we watched Flash Gordon. Oh, that's wonderful! Great. It wonderful. was. It was just so much fun. I just, I was just grinning from ear to ear. It's so silly. It's so dated. The costumes, like yep. every single piece of it, and like I'm, I'm like, special effects aren't even like that bad. Like for this movie, like I'm like, this is pretty good. And then of course, it's like the Queen soundtrack just makes it, you know, epic and fun. Yep. And yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. That's a great film. Flash Gordon is an uh, is is a great film. It's it's really campy and really cheesy and and but but it also knows exactly what it is, so it's kind of comical. Yeah. And then, and then I'm, I guess the only other movie that like really sticks out in my mind that I've watched somewhat recently, and this was kind of in theaters, not, not too long ago when, you know, you could still do those kinds of things, which was Promare. I really liked Promare. Oh, oh yes. The new trigger movie. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see it. Yeah. Oh oh my God. If you, I, seeing it in theaters 
It was 100% worth it. 100% worth it seeing in theaters. The animation, the music, like the plot, like it's, it's an epic movie. And I, I, had, I went into it with like zero expectations because like I just try to do that in general. You have a better time. And um, like it yeah. was amazing. <laughs> Because I actually saw it at Anime Expo when it premiered there. And I thought it was really good. I didn't when think it, it was promoted. that great. But I feel like if I watched it again, I would probably feel I would be a lot more positive about it because there were so many other aspects of the of watching Promare at Anime Expo that made it a little bit distracting. Yeah, weebs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well and i was wow. lucky because I, I heard that there was even like some people like doing groups like organizing groups to go to screenings in the u.s at theaters and like shouting at certain points and like organizing that and i'm like no please please don't do that yeah. i want to just enjoy the movie and yeah. and oh. it literally was like one of the best like anime things i had seen in quite a long time like i i enjoyed it from start to finish it was a complete story i was invested in the characters and again like the animation like they they do some really cool stuff with the cg um and like incorporate it really well in my opinion all right yeah, it's de- that, definitely better than fire force was that 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 review has has convinced me that i now do in fact need to see promare yeah because I, I i i've been lacking on being like yeah, do I really need to see Promare? It looks okay. I like Studio Trigger, eh, but I guess now that no. you've given it that kind of glowing review, I, I uh, yeah. I, and again, like I, I tried to go into things with no expectations. So like, I'm not, you know, it, it, you don't have, it's not a super high bar. Cause I think if you put a high bar on something, then you get let down and then it's disappointing. And like, I just, mm-hmm. I went into it with just like, this is going to be a fun movie and it was an awesome fun movie. So yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. That's great. The music, especially. Like, there's this one song that it hits, it slaps so hard, you're just like, oh, gosh, I just want to sing along. Um, it's, it's pretty great. That's awesome. Good stuff. Perfect. Thanks. So I've seen, I've seen a, a whirlwind of films for a while, and I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> doing the same thing. Uh, to Sarah where like now we have this chance I'm, I'm sh- introducing a whole bunch of movies to my wife um, and so she's never seen the Austin Powers films and now she has um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> oh no um, have they ha- aged well <laughs> uh, yeah actually they're still a lot of fun yeah um, and then she's never seen the Ace Ventura films, which they have not aged well. I will uh, say that I remember more of When Nature Calls than the first one. Which, Most people do. Yeah, which, you know, is funny because I didn't know, or, or at least I had forgotten that that Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls was uh, directed by Steve Odekirk, yep. who did Kung, uh, Pao. Kung Pao and uh, all the Thumb movies, if you're all a huge Steve film. Odekirk yes. fan. Um, uh, also Jimmy Neutron for anybody else too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so he did the second one, which makes a lot more sense as to why uh, uh, Ace Ventura is more of just a straight up cartoon character is because he's a Steve Odekirk and, character. And same same with like, because when you watch the first one, the first one is much more of a crime drama where the second one isn't. Yeah. And it, it's weird because Ace Ventura is much more of just this man child who is screaming his head off for no reason. And you're like, eh, like watching it again when I in my older age, I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like I, I just see him as a as a character. I'm just like, he is acting very strange. But if you watch the second one, you see it, and he's more of like this fleshed out character almost. 
And then he actually did make a cartoon version of Ace Ventura, which, yes. is, yeah, which really is really funny. It was really good. Yeah. Um, well, now, Seth MacFarlane's early works before doing Family Guy, by the way. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think I knew that, but one of those things that like I had forgotten over time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> the um, the other things that I've been watching, they're actually series. But you know how Netflix makes series to the point where like you might as well be watching a movie. Uh, I wanted to highlight two that we had watched. The first one we watched on a whim, um, and it, the first one was called Hollywood, and. Um, I recommend it's one of those series that is like out of like my own morals and stuff like that. I can't really recommend it to you, but I will recommend it on the grounds that if you want to know what it feels like to walk down the sidewalk of LA, um, watch just the first episode and you will feel like you have this layer of slime over your skin. (laughs) Um, man, like it was this, it was just like a, a short six episode mini series. Um, about about Hollywood in the 1950s and what people had to do in order to become famous uh, and get in, onto you know Hollywood sets, um, but lots and, of casting couches. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and and like and they don't they don't pull any punches in in, in this series. Um, like nothing nothing to the point of pornographic, but it, it's it's like almost like Game of Thrones in a way, but not really. Um, a lot of like, metaphorical head cuttings. <laughs> yeah, um, but there, but it it was it was a very odd. I I, I have it, it, the beginning of it is really so sleazy and slimy, and then the second half of the series turns into something that's very like a Hollywood version of Hollywood. So huh. like you have this bad taste in your mouth of all of these characters who are on the cast and then they do something good and triumphant. Yay. You know, um, towards the end. Uh, it, it's a very strange series, but like the, the best uh, thing that I could come up with was like watching the first episode, especially um, because it took place on streets of LA and I've walked down the streets of LA on Hollywood Boulevard and, and all that stuff. Like that's, if, if you want to know how I felt walking down the street in, in LA, watch the first episode and you'll know. Um, and then the one after we, after that, we watched a series, a fairly new series um, on the recommendation of one of Christine's uh, friends who said, it's just like Scooby-Doo um and it's called outer banks and it's a crime drama about this group of four friends and they don't have a talking dog um where they they they're trying to solve a mystery of like lost gold like um there's they have a talking dune buggy yeah no they don't it's it's yeah <laughs> or no a talking shark they don't have any talking animals at all, which was really disappointing because they said it was just like Scooby-Doo and there was no Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> no stars. Uh, Thumbs down. <laughs> so uh, I was, uh, it, it was a weird series because it, 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 when you're watching it, it's like watching a, um, a movie adaption of a young adult novel like like Percy Jackson or something like that but um it's TVMA so there's there's swear words in it uh and then um and then there are times where the dialogue is perfect like the dialogue that they use emulates 
uh, a human being so well. And then immediately after that, they write such a clunky line of dialogue that you almost forget <laughs> that it wasn't written by the, like, first and foremost, all of the characters in the show are supposed to be 16 and they're played by 27 year olds that look like they're 27 year olds. So um, like a Disney channel movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Disney channel, a Disney channel movie with swear words. Yes. Um, so or a Pornhub movie with hard sex. <laughs> um, it's, so and so like it, it's a movie where like there's these kids who are just on like this treasure hunting adventure in uh i think it, we we discovered we we found out that it was like it's this unnamed coastal town called outer banks and i think we we think that it was like in one of the carolinas um but there's like this class war thing going on where like the rich people are going against the poor people and the poor people their main characters and like the enemies are the rich people who want to try to find the gold first but the poor kids want to go out and find it i have a quick question yes is the hero in the end tyra banks no Oh, I was hoping for that. Okay, go on. <laughs> Tyra Banks doesn't even make an appearance, unfortunately. Damn it! <laughs> it would have it would have made the show better overall. But um, it, overall, I don't know. It was like an it it was an interesting. I don't know how to feel about it. And it was it, it was a fun mystery thing at the beginning, and then as the series went on, it got grittier and grittier. And I think they were trying too hard, and you could feel that they were trying too hard. Um, so. In the same way that Hollywood that I watched, they were trying really hard at the beginning. And then at the end, it, because it was a six episode series, it felt like it should have been 13 because they rushed everything at the, at the end. And we we're just like, whoa, hold on. Like suddenly the last three episodes had so many plot holes, actually for <laughs> both series, for both series, like they, they, they ended with so many plot holes, like they needed three or four more episodes to write, but they weren't given the money to write three or four more episodes. Uh, yeah, so that was, that's what I watched. I, <laughs> I got some stuff. Um, probably not as long as that one, but uh, I do got some stuff. Uh, so uh, over my adventure of working on in you know in production of my comic book and stuff, I I watch certain series I don't have to pay close attention to, so that I can get my get my work done while also having some sort of visual noise in my head, so that I can watch the show. So. Uh, borrowing one of Jonathan's accounts for Disney Plus, I got all the way through Disney's Doug. Yeah. Um, and so I finally com- totally finished Disney's Doug. I caught up on all three seasons, which the seasons are all like weird and mixed up and uh, and whatever. If, if anybody out there is on Disney Plus and watching Disney's Doug, uh, just know that episode 29 of season three is actually the finale. And then there's episodes 30 and 31, which were supposed to come before though that episode. So like episode 29 shows up and there's like these huge, like missing plot hole things. So like, wait, whoa, when did this happen? And then you watch that two episodes after that. So like, Oh, I guess it's all here. So just watch episode 30, then 31, then episode 29. But that whole adventure of watching Disney's Doug was supposed to lead up to me watching Doug's first movie. Uh, I basically watched watched all of Doug uh, so that I could watch Doug's first movie so that I could remember, like, oh, yeah, I remember this being a thing. Because Jonathan and I, way back when, actually went to go see that when it was in theaters. Yep. Um, And I come to find out that I remember almost nothing of that movie. 
Uh, I don't even know where it takes place in the whole Doug universe. I don't even know where, um, like, if it's it technically. I mean, so technically, it's after the series, but they don't touch on certain things that happened in the series because there's like B stories that are going on it, within the movie that just are dumb and and don't make any sense. Like Rogers trying to create a robot. And so he has like all the smart kids in the school build a robot for him. But all this time, Doug and Skeeter are trying to help the monster monster of lucky duck Lake and they're bringing him to school. Cause they have to bring him. It's just like, and, but the whole movie is surrounding the plot of, well, Doug needs to take Patty to the Valentine's day dance, but D- Patty gets jealous because they dress the monster up as a woman and she thinks that the monster is like Doug's new like fling. And, and, and then it's just weird. I, and I don't remember anything about it except for like very, very specific seconds of the movie. And, and that was it. Otherwise the whole movie was just a whole new experience for me. Would I recommend it? Eh, only if you sit through all of Disney's Doug and then watch the movie, I if guess. You're, if you're a completionist. <laughs> yeah. If you're a completionist like I am, uh, minus all the Quail Man episodes because the canon of the Quail Man episodes was really annoying because uh, it was non-existent. It was just like, oh, an episode about Quail Man. This tells me nothing about the actual characters in the Doug universe. They needed, they needed story filler. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so there was in, in season three, in season three of Disney's Doug, there's literally 10 episodes. One, one third of the entire third season is all Quail Man episodes that are non-canonical to the Doug universe. Uh, and, and there's one time, there's a sequence of episodes that are all right next to each other, like episodes eight through 13 are all Quail Man. So five episodes in a row are all non-canonical Quail Man episodes. And it's just like, geez, guys, you really ran out of ideas. Um, Either that or they were trying to develop a Quail Man series. Yeah, sub-series. I like the idea of like a one-off series where it's just like a spin-off. That kind of reminds me of like what Adventure Time would do with a lot of their secondary characters, shit like that. Right. I I will say though, as as like a 90s kid, the one thing that will always be burned into my mind is Spunky getting sentenced to death for trying to drag BB away no, no, pork chop. Not spunky no. pork chop. Oh, pork we, chop. Oh my god. Um Yeah, the Christmas yes. that was the Christmas episode of Doug. Exactly. Yeah, the Christmas episode involved a possibility of having his dog put down. Yeah. Pork chop. <laughs> well And I'll apologies have... for uh mistaking Rocco's bottom of life in there. That's yeah. well, another one close to my heart. Well, you start you did start it off as as a nineties kid. So I mean it's kind of like those are both things of our generation. <laughs> Can you imagine what a gritty reboot of Quail Man would be like? <laughs> so, but so I will say though that it's really interesting watching Disney's Doug because the episode. So you know, Nickelodeon was always known for oh, we have these kids shows with adult themes that kids won't understand because they're for the adults to laugh at. And you think that when Disney took over, that they wouldn't do that for Doug because Doug was always kind of a wholesome show. Oh, when Nickelodeon had that, that episode was deep. That yeah. was hard. And well, it was supposed to be a Christmas episode. I mean, I gotta I gotta put it this way. I really hated Porkchop. Like Porkchop to me is still one of the most annoying characters in all of Porkchop was trying to save BB's life. I know. <laughs> um but uh but then you go to Disney's Doug after Nickelodeon Doug, and Disney's Doug like has really weird like adult themes in it. Not like 
Mm-hmm. And this isn't an adult God. theme. It's just a weird theme to see in a kid's show where like mom and dad are having a new baby. And, and, and like Judy is just like, way to go dad. And he's like, what are you talking about? And, you know, and then it, Doug's like, Oh, you've been trying to talk to me about sex this whole time. And then, <laughs> and then there's like an episode of um, like one of the bully kids, his house burns down and like the family has to deal with like the, like Doug was just like, I, I want something bad to happen to, to him. And like his house burns down and now Doug is dealing with the guilt of like wishing that his house would burn down. And then everybody hates the family because they're all annoying anyway, because they all have to move in with all the other families. And it's so weird. Like there's so many dark themes in Disney's Doug that Nickelodeon's Doug didn't even talk about. I was like, wow, this is something. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. That's that. That's my. I watch way more things than that. I'm watching Gordon Ramsay's Uncharted and 101 Dalmatians, which is still one of the best Disney movies ever made. Yeah. Uh, and and stuff. But but Disney's Doug was my biggest. Like I I completed that feat, you know. So <laughs> realistically, would you ever want your name to be Patty Funny? Wait, what? Say, I, I I I do. Realistically, would you ever want your name to be Patty Funny? Well, it's not, I mean, it's not as bad as, I mean, because, like, her name is Patty Mayonnaise, and everybody, well, I mean, our generation, at least, was like, yeah, it's Patty Mayonnaise, Patty Mayonnaise is awesome, you know, so, to eventually become Patty Funny, which they never talked about, even, like, uh, Jim Jenkins, the creator of the show, he talked about, like, what would happen in Doug later, like, if there were college years of Doug, would they still be dating, and, and all this Why they didn't go the Rugrats route that go on? <laughs> I would I would love for an extended lore of Doug. I I'm telling you right now, if they made extended lore of Doug of like Doug in the future and like at least maybe next generation, not just like Doug in his twenties, you well, know, yeah, like well, Doug raising a kid. Well, I'm, you, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, can you imagine if they did um <laughs> if they did like the Girl Meets World route, like they took Boy Meets World, then made Girl Girl Meets World, and it's about Topanga mm-hmm. and Corey's daughter. Like, what if what if they did that with Doug? What if it was like patty and and doug's child what if the um what if the the show mission hill was doug in the future oh my god God. (laughs) um, y'all want some funny mayonnaise (laughs) or what's the uh, what was that show that was on um oh what was it? it was on mtv it was it was that cartoon about like four freshmen that just like started daria no 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 it lasted like for two seasons. Like one was the big nerd character, one was the jock, one was like the kind of you thought he was kind of gay, but he wasn't gay. And then there was the average Joe character. I have oh, no idea oh, to be hi. honest with you. <laughs> was it undergrads? I no, I really I don't know. I have no clue what you're talking Earth about. Workaholics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking up the undergrads. No, no, no. MTV was already dead by work by the time. Workaholics. If you're having double. Yeah, it was the show undergrads. <laughs> It was a cartoon called Undergrads. It lasted for two seasons. It was on MTV, like, back in 2001. Hmm. I'm pretty sure we talked about this cartoon before. and We could have, man. I don't know. Yeah. We talk about so much stuff on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good Charlotte did the theme song. Uh, hmm. All right. Never mind. <laughs> all right. Uh, does anybody else have a what we're watching? No? Uh, Hello? Excellent. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah. I, I actually did watch. Uh, so I've been watching the uh, the anime version of City Hunter, 
And when looking up the French movie version that just came out last year, I actually stumbled upon the 1993 version with Jackie Chan in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen that. (laughs) I started to watch. Yeah. And I started to watch it. But then when they started speaking, it was an English dub version of the Jackie Chan City Hunter movie. Yeah, that's the one we watched. Yeah. It's like really like the movie itself. If I had watched it in the original, like uh, Mandarin, I bet you I would have enjoyed it more. But like watching it in the English dub is just really like going so long hearing what Jackie Chan actually sounds like. And then hearing someone try to do an American Jackie Chan voice, matching it not at all whatsoever, is just so weird. Yeah, it is. It's really jarring, especially because Jackie Chan did his own voice dub eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and this wasn't one of them, unfortunately. But like for what it was, the City Hunter movie, it's a very '90s cartoonish comedy. Yeah, very it's much, really good. It's it's good. But like compared to what you can do today, it's it's so campy. But like a good campy, but a weird campy kind of way. Yeah. Well, if if that's all we want to talk about for that, uh, I do have. Um, I just so I just finished reading the the next volume of Promise Neverland that came out mm-hmm. uh, in English, uh, and uh, the recent news of that is they are. The, the ending of Promise Neverland is actually coming up really soon. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 creator of Promise Neverland is actually finishing it. Like I don't know how many issues, but it's it's really close, and and I'm super excited about that because boy howdy do I want to see the end of that series. It is yeah. still amazing. Yeah, I'm now all I, about it. So what volume is that on right now? Oh geez, what uh, fifteen? I'm on volume fifteen. Okay, so that's actually like kind of achievable. Yeah. For, oh, yeah. it's a really decent size series. Yeah. yeah. And um, on that sort of topic too, and I know it's not a series that's that everyone really really loves, but it has its enjoyable aspects. Um, Yuna in the Haunted Hot Springs is actually ending. Yes. Finally. So the, Thank God. Yeah, the twenty fourth volume. Now I get where you're getting at because I just read the ninth volume of Yuna and the Haunted Hot Springs, and I get where you're getting at regarding, you know, there's not really much character development. There's just kind of random stories and such, but I still kind of laugh a lot while reading it. So it's I'm, yeah, I like the tolerable aspect of Yuna and Haunted Hot Springs. But if I, but if it really doesn't get more into some character development within the next volume or so, yeah, like, I kind of can see myself dropping well, it. Because it's the same problem with, it was, it's the same problem with any smut comedy. Like the way that um, like Monster Masume is, like if if you have a chapter, if, if, the, if the chapter you're reading is all about that character that you just don't care about, then it's a boring story. Like you're just like, oh, I guess I have to get through this chat. Like in the same way that like when We Never Learn comes up and like, yeah. uh, a Richan story comes up or what's what's her full name? Re, uh, the like small smart girl uh, who doesn't understand human in- interaction. Uh, like whenever uh, a chapter with her comes up, I'm just like, oh, I don't, I don't care. I don't care about her. I want to hear about every anybody else other than her. And then uh, you mean and so, um, Rizu? Yeah, Rizu. Like so, whenever uh, I guess that kind of shows how much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Rizu is kind of like the weak character, weakest character of all of them. Yeah, which she, says a lot because. Um, because like 
Asumi comes around, the purple-haired one, and yeah. she is so much more likable than Rizu is. Kind of, she's See, she's a everyone needs a good old-fashioned what's her name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she's a close second to Rizu where like when a story about her comes up I'm like, "Ah, eh, you're the new kid. I don't want I don't really want to read about. It. I want to yeah, read about." But but she's still kind of funny. She's like the tease of the whole group, which makes yeah. her a little bit more enjoyable. She's like adding Takagi-san to the group. Yeah, she's the troll. She's the yeah, she's troll. the troll, which makes it but, a little bit more fun. So, but uh, again, I still like I still like all of these series. I'm just saying, like, if mm-hmm. you don't put character development into your comedies and you're just going for punchline humor every chapter, you're not gonna keep the audience grasp because they want to know the continuing story and growth of these characters as well. That's what keeps it interesting. You yeah. want to know who's gonna fall in love. You want people to fall in love. You know, and and like that's the reason why you're watching the story. I understand that it's a comedy story, but the whole reason we're reading it is that you want to see the relationships develop. Right, and, and so, which bring, brings to mind too the other volume I just read, the most recent volume of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And ah. Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is a story I could read forever because they do such a great job with expanding the relationship between Toru and Kobayashi and even the universe too. Like Kobayashi, it looks like, is about to um, um, to take on a title in her company that could greatly expand not just the Earth universe of Dragon Maid, but all the shared universes of like the other dragons of Dragon Maid. And that makes me excited to see like, where they could take the world of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid from Earth to probably all the other fantasy lands that all these dragons are coming from. Yeah. Well, (laughs) is that a good review for us to kind of end this episode? We're going pretty long. Pretty long. Anything from you, Sarah? No, I was just going to say on the note of like, good character development from like a comedy series that's kind of how it is with avatar the last airbender at the beginning is that it's pretty lighthearted and comedic at the beginning but over time every single character gets really great development and you start to oh it's it's just mm, the storytelling is so perfect and f that movie for and that's how i how i feel it's how I feel about the Wakfu cartoon because that starts out pretty comical and it gets dark yeah. as the well, series that, progresses. That's, that's like fifty percent most... of how I feel about the Dragon Ball movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but, yeah. That's 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 like with most most really well written things will start off really lighthearted and then eventually you'd be like, why am I getting so dark? And then Hunter X Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there oh, are a lot. Oh my god, they need to finish the freaking series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day. It's good to have you back. <laughs> it's good to have you back, Sarah. It's been a long time since we've heard anybody talk about Hunter x Hunter. <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, "Hi, I still I still rewatch episodes even though, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen it like five times now probably." Yeah. And I feel like Gone about- just fucking punching that friggin' stump over and over again just hoping for a new episode. <laughs> I was like, is we it was me and my boyfriend we watched I made him watch all of Hunter Hunter. He's watched the whole thing. And then now anytime we watch an anime or a show with a character like Gone, he's just like, oh, so this is Gone. 
like we're watching Haikyuu and there's the main character Hinata and Hinata's like he's like okay so Hinata's gone and then we're watching Avatar and he's like okay so Aang is gone <laughs> he's just always using that character archetype to like mm-hmm. identifying with it now it's pretty yeah, sick. That's, speaking of Haikyuu too I've actually been rewatching it with my roommate and we've been watching it with the English dub I actually think the dub is better than the sub for Haikyuu they did an amazing job with casting the characters over at Sentai Filmworks over there. So give it a rewatch in the dub version. Maybe one day. I'm really attached to the sub. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like when I watched it in dub, it was like, these kind of fit the characters more in some way. Well, that's I, a hard I, band-aid to rip. I it's a hard I, band-aid to rip. I, I will try it one day, but I am not encouraged because I saw like someone clipped uh, a scene from later in one of the seasons where like there, it's like a confrontation between the main character Hinata and like uh, the one of the opposing main characters, um, and it's like, oh, we're we're uh, it's my name is Hinata T- Toby. Uh, I'm so sorry. I got all time died. You're right. Uh, that is a terrible dub. <laughs> it's like, my name is Hinata Shoyo from the parking lot. When in the original sub, it's my name is Hinata Shoyo from the concrete. And in my opinion, that's mm. way more badass that's than yeah, I'm from definitely. the parking lot. So, and that's a really, really minor thing. That is very petty, but. Right. That's like taking a, that's taking an entire dub out of context. Like, yes. Yes, I it prom- absolutely is. I promise you, like the dub for Haikyuu is wicked impressive. Like I was watching it, like re-falling in love with the characters of it because of it. Well, I will, I will give it a chance one day because, because you, you gave it a recommendation. <laughs> I say, I uh, I mean, at least we can all agree that Cowboy Bebop is the best English dub ever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's the right. soundtrack. I, I did want to ask one more cinema question, but uh, we'll save it for another time. Okay. Because we're I running, out. <laughs> we're running we're, out of time. We're, yeah, we're running pretty late. But hopefully all the all the listeners really enjoyed this kind of cinematography switch up even though we got some anime in there we got some western cartoons in there so we got everything covered but it was mostly about movies because we just freaking love movies over here so yeah so we want to do we want to want me to start rambling yeah 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 wrap it up all right well if you guys want to join in on the conversation and talk about some movies maybe you want to answer the questions that we talked about right at the beginning of the podcast you can always email us at wicked anime reviews at gmail.com that's wicked anime reviews all one word at gmail.com I recommend that you go to facebook.com slash wicked anime where you can comment on videos, message us directly uh, where we're always pretty much watching. Uh, Find the invite link on the Facebook page to our discord server and just chat with us right there. And eventually we'll get back to you uh, because wicked anime discord is always up and running on my computer as I'm working. And then we post funny memes that we find. And of course you can always find us, kind of doing things on social media, like on Twitter, if you tweet us at Yo Wicked Anime. Uh, that one's kind of blase lately because Twitter sucks. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, however, if you want to find me and my work, uh, I am an independent artist now, uh, going by the, the moniker AFLM, greatest artist in the world, AFLM. Um, uh, currently at facebook.com slash AFLM, also inst- Instagram at AFLM. AFLM underscore art, um, where I am working on my uh, webcomic series that can be read for free. You can read my webcomic for free at Solarium Sun. Free! Free! 
Hey! Can you imagine staying inside the house for all this time and you have access to a story that's free? Hey! You should go to solariansun.com and read a free webcomic that I'm writing myself. And if you have some very few bucks to spare, uh, as little as $5 a month, you can read 60 more... 60 plus more pages of the comic book over the free stuff. So currently the, the comic book is at page 75 on the website, uh, but you can read up to page 137 at Patreon. If you, if you spared as little as $5 a month, plus if uh, the higher tiers up after that, you get even more rewards and more access to more things and more access to me personally. Uh, so that is AFLM underscore art or AFLM art. You can find me anywhere in solarianson.com. And, then, and, and remember, Larry Kenny said, if you don't like Solarian Sun, you're a big old poopy pants. <laughs> I, I do remember Larry Kenny saying that. Yeah. <laughs> hey! <laughs> All right. So for the recent news, reviews, podcast episodes, and videos featuring members of the Boston Bash Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, if you are in a band and want to be featured on our No Borders, No Race podcast, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbashbrigade.com. You can follow me on Twitter on the J-Pop Video Games and Anime Amino and on Twitch at KingBabyDocESH. Like us on Facebook.com slash BostonBashBrigade and Facebook.com slash LandofEsh. And don't forget about all the other sites under the Land of Esh, including The Electric Sisterhood, Those Recap and Review, and Smash Rook. Big shout out to Ro and Manda, the former Esh girls, for their new show, Black Compat. Excellent first episode. Almost left me in tears about what they were talking about. Something totally different from anything they've done at Electric Sisterhood. A little bit more serious with the topics, but man, what a great listen. Please go onto Mixer or onto their YouTube page and watch the first episode. You will be just gobsmacked by what they discuss regarding some of the current aspects of what's going on. Elite for Derek. How about no, you? Uh, Sarah first, because Derek always kicks us off at the end. So right, true. Sarah, what, where can they find you? So if you want to catch up with me um, on a more regular basis, the best place is probably through Twitter. My uh, handle is at 42Believer. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram at 42Believer. And then the, other, the best place for my videos is obviously YouTube, also 42Believer. And that's, that's pretty much it. Fantastic. Now, Derek. Uh, you can find me at Elite Four Derek on Instagram and Twitter. Otherwise, uh, I will be searching the web for the happiest of videos, such as balloons rising up into the sky and puppies that are just realizing their first taste of whipped cream that they've ever had. Because you know what? That's what this world needs right now. I'm tired of negativity, so I'm just going to be living in a world of sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. And if you have a problem with it, fuck you. Hi! <laughs> wow. Well, uh, we're going to, at the end of the show, after, after we're done, we're going to, again, we have the uh, the practice, the test run movie that we made uh, with, with the buy the rights thing. So y- you can stick around and give that a listen if this episode wasn't long enough already. Uh, but for now, Willis, you're going to have to listen to us the next time. And now we're going to sign off the only way we know how, if Sarah remembers how to do that. And the balcony is closed. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have another way to end it. See, this is and why.
credits rolling. This is just why Bye. it's gay <laughs> And here is the hidden scene where you realize that Hawkeye is actually going to come in the next episode. Oh yeah, we. That's that's interesting. On on the episode, the episode of films, we have an after credit scene. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> yes, dude, let's play on that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first, first uh, category is genre, and our genres are direct-to-video. Ah, I love it. Or buddy cop. Direct-to-video. 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 So direct-to-video. Second thing is this: these ones actually have to go together. Um, So section two is the descriptor of the hero and section three is the hero. So I have to present both these at the same time. So we either have a, all right, so descriptor, middle-aged and on the edge. <laughs> Leaning middle-aged already. <laughs> a boomer. And um, we have divorce lawyer and rookie cop. Oh my God, middle-aged boomer cop. cop. Boomer cop. Boomer, yeah. cop. boomer cop, boomer, boomer cop, boomer, boomer, cop. Cop. boomer rookie yeah, cop, boomer cop for sure. <laughs> Sarah, is that it's, is that? It's it's too good to pass up. Let me watch. Okay, okay. I'm tired of seeing this world go to shit. I'm joining the cops. <laughs> okay, and then um, oh wait, this might get political. No, no, it won't. Trust oh, no. me, no. it won't. Um, the plot. Uh, four is either rising to the top of an organized crime family. Oh my god! Or befriending a giant robot that fell from space. Robot, oh, robot. No. Rising to the top of an organized crime. Well, no, Greg, I think you're outnumbered on this one. No, no, giant oh, robot. robot. Giant robot. robot. Okay. The boomer cop that befriended the giant <laughs> robot that fell from space. That just screams direct a video. I'm sorry. I don't know much, but I know this isn't normal. <laughs> Boomer and Clank. <laughs> wow, this is the practice run, too. Yeah, yeah, this is the practice run. All right, should I start the timer? Yeah, go for it. All right, so it's the story of a boomer cop who befriends a robot. And he's a rookie cop. He's yeah. a boomer rookie cop. <laughs> that befriends a robot that fell from space. I don't even think we need to talk about this. I think the movie is just sold. <laughs> no, wait a minute. They, they've done this movie before. It's the kid that grows up. It's Iron Giant. Oh my gosh, it's the Iron... It's the <laughs> sequel. It's the direct-to-video. We remember that's Oh my god. Direct-to-video sequel. So we're creating a direct-to-video sequel of, of Brad Bird's Iron Giant 2. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so then what... The cops come to arrest the Iron Giant. His reincarnation, because obviously he explode. You know uh, what? As a matter of fact, Hogarth Hughes was... Wasn't he a part of the Boomer generation? Because that, that movie takes place in the 1950s. Yes, yeah. it does! So... Well, yeah. that's that's Wait, just. Is there a second Iron Giant that comes down and because he knows the first Iron Giant... So he knows he needs to protect them. So no, he joins the police academy. <laughs> so just so you know, it is canonical that there is more than one Iron Giant because they are alien war machines. Perfect. Um, so maybe this other Iron Giant that shows up is is still evil, and because because at the end of the original Ooh. Iron Giant, it shows that he survives and he's putting himself back together. So oh, he's he is still on Earth and he's still somewhere around. 
Are we gonna have a the- buddy? Are we gonna have a buddy triangle? Does is the original Iron Giant making his way back from Antarctica, and he gets jealous of the new giant? No, because the new giant's <laughs> evil. Wait, I think for the. For new- the- I think the new giant is Raditz. For the the purposes of this conversation, if we're like, if we're going for an Iron Giant direct video sequel, (laughs) is this animation or is it live action? I don't know if that matters, but it matters to me. Animation, probably. I guess animation, it would have to be animation. But, no, so, but it's not Brad Bird. Oh, it has to be some like really yeah, bad no, director. Because it, yeah, because it has to be. Because if, if like as, as the trends go in the '90s, when we had the direct-to-video sequels of Disney, there was um, it, very. It's gonna be Cartoon Network, brought to you by the makers of Steven Universe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Oh no, we had some. We had some fantastic C-list animators on those direct-to-video Disney sequels. So. I can only imagine what DreamWorks is would be would look like. <laughs> it's kind oh of interesting because, like, because um, like the only one that came that that actually continued and did a directed DVD one was uh, Don Bluth when he did Bartok the Magnificent, which oh, actually wound up being better yeah. than Anastasia. Than Anastasia, you're, you're right. <laughs> That's. That's wow, true. so we're we're going deep lore into this. We're talking about like which studio's doing it, who's 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 writing it, who's wow. Because the, the reason why I asked, because as I was like, if it was like if it was like a maybe like a Netflix modern day direct video sequel where it would be kind of like streaming, I would want if it was live action, I would want um Nicolas Cage <laughs> to be yeah. on Garth Hughes. Who wouldn't? That's a good <laughs> idea. Voice the boy. He could voice he could voice the boy who is now the he, he can, man. yeah, he can voice the adult version in the in the animated direct video mm-hmm. sequel too. So it doesn't just, matter. Just, just, I just want just, him just, in there. And just, if we're gonna go deep into this, I want to cast <laughs> yes. who's playing yes. everybody. I'm on board. <laughs> oh my gosh which is funny because we just wa- rewatched community here and uh and the the nicholas cage episode is like even though it's like season four or five i forget season four like the nicholas cage studies episode is one of the best episodes ever <laughs> I, yeah no yeah community is really good at that taking like yeah. analyzing media and making it contextual and funny like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but even when dan Harmon wasn't involved with community it was still pretty funny yeah Okay, so Absolutely. the plot of our movie. Uh, yes. So, so is so is um, so is the robot that puts himself back together coming back to warn uh, the boy or who is now a man that there's going to be another that the robots are coming to destroy the world. So now he becomes a cop to help and survive. He should still be voiced by Vin Diesel, but have like full talking lines because you know how like they make awful decisions for direct-to-video sequels. Mm-hmm. It's just like why is he like talking and 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 fully coherent for no reason? I, I, I mean, did you, did you ever see? Did you ever see Never Ending Story three, where like the big giant rock monster rides a motorcycle and sings "Born to Be Wild"? No, there was did a he... Never Ending Story two. Yeah, yeah. Never Ending Story two was awful. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then they Wait. made Never Ending Story 3, which had Jack Black in it as the villain. Huh. Idea. Wait, what if they made, like, voiced uh, the kid by John Vogt, like, older boomer? John Vogt. Oh, oh God. Uh, John well, Vogt. No, I, we have to stick with Nicolas Cage or Hogarth Hughes. Like, that's okay. <laughs> okay, so I have an idea here. <laughs> Three act kind of story, right? Act one Evil Robot comes. Nicholas Cage realizes who this is, joins the police force because he knows he's the only one who understands these creatures, knows how to stop them. Act two, he realizes his fight is futile, but all of a sudden, 
the old Iron Giant reawakens. Act three, Nicolas Cage and the new Iron Giant go and fight the evil giant and kick him off of the earth. Is he dead? We don't know. He's set through space. <laughs> kick him off of the earth? What, does the earth flatten this movie? Yes. Like, literally, just like a drop <laughs> kick that sends him out of orbit. <laughs> we make this movie to appease flat earth theorists. Yeah, we kick him through the, he gets kicked through the ice wall. We just confirm <laughs> Derek is flat earther. <laughs> confirm Derek flat earther. <laughs> ice wall And then you, you stomp on the fingers and they fall off the edge. <laughs> Now, is uh, Harry Connick Jr. going to be in this sequel, too? Oh, yeah. That's right. He was a super important part of it, right? Yeah. Uh, He'd probably be close to 100, but, you know, people have been (laughs) living a lot longer these days, so he could still be surviving. Let's see. His mom was probably in her late 30s at most, which means that he would also be in his late 30s at most. And if this was modern day, he'd probably be around 80 at at the most. So Mm -hmm. in the same way that, you know, like, Katara is is old in the new in in uh, Cor- the Legend of Korra. He could be like that too. Yeah. yeah. They didn't listen to me when the robots came for the first time. <laughs> it's hard. My time has come. <laughs> what he had in his mouth was art. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> wow so i guess we just totally plagiarized and made a direct-to-video sequel that's great we i mean that's how most direct-to-video movies are made i mean have you ever seen every snakes on a plane direct-to-video pseudo sequel that's come out ever since that film and it's not plagiarism it's fan fiction <laughs> we should just all like work in hollywood because clearly we can make great ideas faster than everybody else you know? yeah. yeah yeah absolutely just on the spot yeah. <laughs> ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 